You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. Sniff his underwear. Yep, yep. None of those things happen. None of those things happen. Welcome. Our fifth caller is going to get to take Tony Lee to the point for a little makeout action. All right, let's see. Caller number one, you're on the air. <laughs> Welcome to the motherfucking podcast, episode number 56056. 56. This right. is May 6th. 2019, the day that we're recording this, two podcasts within three days, right? Within three days. We're going for the record. We're crushing it, man. We're fucking taking a page out of the Book of Rogan, bro. We're going to hit every Skibs Award, every category this year. (laughs) And the nominees for this year's Producer Award at at the 2019 Skibbies. Yeah, dude. Skibs was very impressed with uh, with the work you've been doing on the last couple episodes, Gordo. Just trying to keep it consistent, man. Yeah. No, you've been doing a great job. You're definitely going to get a Skibby this year. Yes. Welcome to the Skibby Awards. <laughs> What's a Skibby? <laughs> if you don't know, you can't afford it. A, a Skibby is like a mix between skid marks. It's like the skid marks you leave on a Sibian machine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like when you're on it for too long and you're going, Oh my God, this is amazing. And then you shart and like leave a little whoop. That's what a skibby is. We can picture it now. Welcome to the the motherfucking podcast, episode number 56. This is the official podcast, although not officially about the international power rock combo motherfucking ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively. I'm Aaron Howell. I'm Tony Lee. We got Gordo over there on Hi. the twiddly knobs, and our guest in studio today. Man, there's so many things to say about our guest in the studio today. Uh, and all nice things. I hope so. Drummer for the uh, internationally acclaimed uh, heavy metal sensation Speed Wolf. Uh, drummer for Axe Slasher, the, uh, the internationally acclaimed. We're going to put international on the front of things because it makes it sound right, yeah. more prestigious and, and uh, cultural-like. Uh, drummer for the, the horror metal sensation Axe Slasher. Uh, <laughs> drummer for the new act, the up-and-coming act featuring uh, former members of Cloudcatcher. Uh, he also plays drums for Beneath the Steel, that band. Uh, not only that, he's also my brother-in-law and uh, uncle to my child, Yeah, which is my favorite part, which yeah. is my my favorite designation is that's, Uncle that's Richie. That's how I mostly know you. Uncle Richie. Uh, um, <laughs> brother to the, the love of my life, please welcome to the show, Richie Tice. Yeah, yeah. I've been looking forward to this episode for a while, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, yeah. dude. I'm really... I my favorite part of when Sarah and I come up to the house to visit or when you guys come to the house is like Desiree and Sarah go off and do their thing or like go off with your mom and do their thing and there's yeah. like 
a short period of time where it's like you and me sit and we talk shop yep. about like, how's it going with your band? Oh, okay, this is going on. How's it going with your band? Yep. And it's always like the things going on with Richie's band are markedly better always <laughs> unequivocally. But and so effortless. But 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 yeah, he talks about him like so casually. He's like he's like oh, I don't know. We got offered this like really great show in New York. We might do it. We might not. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> we played outside at Dink this year. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, we might do Maryland Death Fest again. I'm not sure. Maybe we'll see. Maybe it'll happen. It's like our comic book's done. <laughs> huh? I'd rather be playing though. I don't get to do all that stuff all always. Well, you're doing a lot of stuff with Beneath the Steel now, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I get to do about a show a month right now, but See, that's cool. That's probably more than we're doing right now. A show a month. Yeah. Plus you're doing Axe Slasher. How's it going with Axe Slasher? That's good. It's just like uh writing music over the internet basically like we're just shopping riffs back and forth and shopping ideas to try, try to get songs written so does because it's Justin LaSalle's band right yeah. and so he kind of it's it's very interesting to see yeah. Axe Slasher turn into what it's it's been because yeah. I've known Justin we've known Justin yeah. a long long time yeah from when he was in DDC with Reed and and of course we worked together at uh, at Fat Jack's for a long time and yeah. I've always you know He's always been – I've watched him kind of on the cutting edge of, like, how the internet works. Yeah. I've always seen – like, like Justin introduced me to Pandora when it yeah, came yeah. out. You yeah. know what I mean? He's always been kind of on the cutting edge of whatever is going on on the internet. Yeah. And so it's been really cool to see him, you know, create this – this persona, this like band persona, in, in in the way that Axe Slasher has been. Gordo, are you familiar with Axe Slasher at all? Unfortunately, not. Oh, no. dude, you got to check them out. They're like, like horror pizza slasher, fucking yeah. metal, right? Yeah. We're all Fuck, we're all yeah. basically have an alter ego name. Uh, my name is like Doctor Barbaric. It's basically a, a what a you know our a version of a serial killer. We all have like songs about what how we killed people, and it has like a whole kind of he wants to do the same thing comic book character it. serial killer murderer uh, after all of us. I love we, it. Uh, we've been on a couple uh, soundtracks, the movies we were on uh, Deathgasm. And That's then, right. Uh, you guys yeah. were on the Deathgasm soundtrack. Yeah, right? and then that yeah. uh, pool party massacre then just came out. We just uh, we did a song on there, which is pretty cool. That's um, the other thing is is Justin he's has so good this relating. Oh, and he's like, so yeah. good at it. That's what happened basically was he was into the internet, made his whole band, and blew it up to being where he people wanted to get him shows. But he was like, well, I don't really have a band, so he asked us, and it was me and Jake from Speedwell first, and then when Jake left, it was just. Joey, uh, he was my production manager from AEG. Oh yeah, I know, I know yeah, Joey. Joey yeah, yeah, I know Joey Csac. Hell yeah. of a guy. Yeah, he's he moved right. Yeah, he's, that's why it's where like he's in Tennessee now. So. so he's doing stuff from Tennessee. Yeah, and you're doing stuff from yep. fucking Bailey. Yep, and then Justin's down Just, here. Justin's Alex down is here. doing Call the Void, and then Stephen Jackson's also in Ghost of Glaciers and some other stuff. So it's like everyone has side projects and other stuff going on. So it's just like emails back and forth right now. That's how we wrote the whole last song. What are you guys using for your software, if you don't mind my asking? Uh, that's all Justin. I don't even know what software. He came up to my house and recorded it all on his stuff. Oh! Because, you know, yeah. you know we're, we're getting ready to have to to do that. Yeah. And so one of the exactly things that, that we're, one of the things that we're investigating a lot is, you know, like, me and Logan and Ty are going to stay in in Colorado, at least. I expect I'm, I'll probably move up closer your way in the next couple yeah. of years. 
But, you know, Tony's going back to Chicago this year, and we really want to focus on on doing a lot of writing. And I'm just, I'm always curious to find out. So if you if you find out, or Justin, if you happen to be <clears throat> listening to this, I would love, uh, in fact, I'd love to get Justin on the show yeah. and just get his feedback on that because it's... Uh, yeah, it's like a Reaper or some kind of program like that with an interface just yeah. to go to right to his computer. Right. It's, yeah. pro- it's yeah. probably just, uh, I mean, you could use any, yeah, Pro Tools, any decent digital uh yeah. software w- editing software with an interface yeah. yeah so um do you set time aside to work on it or does he co- he comes up there and works on it um he basically you? just sends emails but yeah when we when the song was ready he just came up to my house and we did like a whole day where uh, i basically the first time i tried to play drums to it was the first time i heard it because they wrote oh, like we were like oh we rewrote a couple parts Right when they show up to my house to record, I'm like, oh, great. And I was like, I don't. <laughs> we rewrote a couple Yeah, I was parts. like, well, what, what was it? So, you know, the first time I actually heard the song, I was trying to play to it. So, Did they have drums on it already? Yeah, like little, like, sample, like, fake drums that he made. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. A lot of just, like, to keep the times, you know. So you guys, like, start with that skeleton and then, like, replace the bass, replace the drums, yeah. replace the guitar. Yeah. Which like is a good way to do it, like, man. Yeah. Just like, kind of doing the live room yeah. take to, like, get the drums as best as you possibly can and then replacing layer after layer and then yeah. filling out the different things. You know? Yeah, like, Alex had a bunch of ideas and he kind of, like, works it out with the drums and, you know, some ideas and sends it to us. Yeah. We'll, like, tweak it and just, like, resend stuff mm-hmm. back and forth. Well, you have a pretty you have a pretty low tech setup, personally, right? Yeah. You've you've got the drum room up at the house in Bailey, yeah, and <clears throat> and just got your drums set up in there. So what? He just came over and mic'd you up, or just yeah. did like a two channel recording on it? Uh, no, it was like a it was a nine I think nine or ten channels. I have a bunch of mics. Um, I have I mean a PA's and guitar stuff, but uh, he basically just came up and recorded like nine I think nine channels it was on drums. And you were talking. I I don't know if this is still something that's been going on, but you were talking for a little while about doing some more like long distance collaborative stuff with like some of the people that you've met through yeah. Speedwolf and whatnot, right? Yeah, it was it's a, it was been a talk. I was uh, initially going to do that Pounder band uh, that Matt Harvey did, but uh they And just, who's Matt Harvey? He was from Exhumed or he is in Exhumed. This yeah. fucking guy. I yeah. swear to god, man. But uh, he's a uh, uh they still are doing Pounder. They just it's dudes in California. It's way easier for them right. than getting some you know Denver guy. Right. Right. No. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Someone who can act. And so I was. I still do Monolith from time to time, but a lot of what stalled that band out was the fact that having a member that you know the lead singer. I I lived all the way in Denver, and it was just so hard geographically. To, to reconcile that, to get me out there to do gigs and to be able to go to practices and stuff like that. And you yeah. just, it, you really, it, it, it takes a lot to keep a band like that afloat. And yeah. if you've got someone who's local and available, you know, sometimes that's a trade off. Except for in Tony's case, where I'm, I'm definitely not going to let him go for <laughs> anything, dude. I'm like an obsessive ex girlfriend. Yeah. He's worth keeping around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say so. <clears throat> so you got Axe Slasher, you got yeah. uh, Beneath the Steel. Yeah. Uh, tell me about Beneath the Steel. What's going on with that? That's uh, just early stages. We just started jamming <clears throat> up uh, up at my house on January 1st. It was like the first of the year. Um, me and this guy named Rory, he was in Cloud Catcher. And uh, I don't know, he just wanted to jam. He moved up to Pine, and um, we talked about jamming. He came over to the house, and I I think he was kind of working me almost. Like, he showed me all these riffs, <laughs> you know. Like, uh, I didn't. I thought I was just jamming, so I was going for it just having fun and then 
he told me that he liked the way I play all this stuff. So and then it, he was grooming you. Yeah. For, for, yeah. So he wanted a lot of double bass stuff and then ended up, you know, we already have like five songs ready to go and we've already played a show. It's like, it's happened really fast. Now it's a band. Yeah. So, so is Cloudcatcher no more? Like, is this yeah. like Cloudcatcher 2.0? Like, what what the guys from Cloudcatcher turned into, or is that band going to keep releasing material no, under that name? They're done. Cloudcatcher's done. Uh, Jared was the drummer of Cloudcatcher. He's not gonna. He doesn't want to be. A, I don't want to say anything for him, but he's. What happened with them is just basically ended Cloudcatcher. Right, right. Yeah. He's they, they they've parted ways. Yeah. I mean yeah. to put it simply, but they actually uh, Rory wanted to keep the name and the stuff that we we're writing is not very like the same vibe, you know. Right, and and <clears throat> even when you look at Cloudcatcher's branding, it's yeah. very like yeah. stoner rock seventies revival type of yeah, yeah. heavy fuzz type yeah. of imagery. You know, yeah, exactly. And it, I agree. it looks like it should yeah. be printed like in bubble letters on the back of somebody's van you yeah. know yeah they're really i mean they were a great band and he's always been an, roy's an awesome player i've known that dude since high school i guess i did lights for him at the gothic in high school oh cool what yeah. band was he in back in? i don't even know but it was like a we us judges were the sound guys and lighting guys and i remember being like that kid rips like i just want that guy to win <laughs> no. oh it was like a battle of the bands yeah thing and that i you didn't were care judging? about yeah any of the other bands that were up there except for that kid i was like i just want that guy to win <laughs> like just because he rips i don't care what he plays he's just yeah, really they good. played like a led zeppelin cover or something <laughs> i still remember that kid and then i saw him in cloud catcher i was like you still rip like i want to jam with you and now it's actually happening so it was like he was up he was up in the neighborhood and like you thought he was just coming over to like yeah, to just, just hang out and just jam stuff but he was like throwing yeah written material to try and see if you were the right fit. Yeah, for he it. even was like I wrote this song and thought you should play it and jammed it and I was like, "Well, I do. That was a pretty cool song." <laughs> so, well, it worked easy. Yeah. So, so that's awesome. So you guys you guys have done you guys did the one show at the Marquee recently, right? And it was at Tuies. Yeah, oh, you did Tui's. one show at Tuies. Yeah. Okay. It was kind of that was the weird part. It was the end of Cloudcatcher where he had all this stuff booked and they didn't want to do the gig, but he still had like all his merch to sell. So, I ended up right. playing I learned the new EP that they were going to release that night. And kind of changed up and put my little thing onto it, which really was kind of a bummer. Their band ended before the EP came out. It was basically my first show with them was the switchover between our names and band and being like, let's just try to sell all this stuff and let's try to... And an EP release? Yeah, and pl- I played those four songs a little bit different, plus three did songs they call, that we just wrote. Did they call it a Cloudcatcher album or did they call it a Beneath the Steel well, it album? It was a Cloudcatcher record. Because Jared oh, plays on it, they put that out, and then you can't. It's like, what are you going to do with it? Well, they had a whole like couple week tour planned out and everything, and that's that was kind of they wanted me to do the tour, and I told them I couldn't do the tour. Oh, man, but your baby boy was born right in the middle of. That's so right, dude, it, yeah. and that's that's that was very touching to me. So, so obviously these guys don't know that, but um, when uh, Sarah told me um, that. That basically Cloudcatcher Beneath the Steel had offered to take you on a tour, and it happened to fall within the two-week range of our due date, and you said, no, I can't go. My sister's going to have her baby around that time. And she told me that, and I went, wow. I mean, if there was a tour offered to me within a month of that due date, <laughs> I probably would have gone. Yeah, yeah. And I'm the fucking baby's kid, but yeah. that, that was very touching to me, Richie. I, yeah. I appreciate that, man. Thanks, man. But it was, uh, yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, so, and it, it, I mean, 
good thing that the baby was born then because then I had a good excuse, right? Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> it, and and the, the timing ended up working yeah. out, man. It was great. Solid. And yeah. No, it's been it's been really cool. Uh, I, and, and we'll definitely talk more about that because I want to yeah. kind of talk about mm-hmm. how watching you and Desiree become parents mm-hmm. has influenced, it, you know, has kind of been the, the uh, God, it's been the prologue, the preface for what Sarah and I have started. And I, I definitely want to talk to, to you about that more in the show. Yeah. Of course, uh, the band that you are most known for, I would say, is Speedwolf. Probably. And who's that? <laughs> who's Speedwolf? <laughs> um, for, for anyone listening that doesn't know, Speedwolf is, is still, oh. like, you guys are technically still a band, right? Yeah. Yes. Like, it, it is still going. No, you guys, farewell, no farewell tour? No farewell tour. No reunion back. We are officially back. It's yeah. not just one show. Yeah. And uh, so Speedwolf is is from Denver, but, um, like, dude, I've seen your stuff all over the world when we've been traveling, you know? Like, it, like you guys aren't kept in the local band section. You guys are, cool. like, yeah. you guys are... A legitimately like I've seen Speedwolf patches at shows around the world. Like it's very thankful for yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's very cool. You guys, um, you guys had a had a ton of heat when you came out. And what's amazing is that you guys, even being an inactive band, get more heat than our band has ever gotten. It's it's crazy how much people love that band. Um, so you guys haven't done anything since. Since the reunion show. Yeah, June of last year. So June of last year, you guys did a reunion show, and that was at Electric Funeral Fest? Yeah. How did that go? I didn't get awesome. to see the show. Man, was it was really awesome. cool? Yeah, it was packed. There was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And then before that, how long had it been? Um, almost five years. Damn. I mean, I feel like, uh, man, it was uh, October probably of 2014, I think was when the last show that we did was when we were actually all in the same room. 2014 was yeah. the last Speedwolf show yeah, that you guys so. all did in the same room. Yeah, wow. I believe so. That's maybe in, it was 15, maybe I'm lying. Yeah, I I think it might have been That's incredible. Yeah. Like one album, yeah. You know, 5 years between shows and are, still being and people, people are starving to see you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wild. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. And you guys are talking about you guys are talking about doing some more shows, right? Yeah. We're in the talks about a bunch of stuff. Uh, Reed moved to New York, so that's like the big um, hardest part right there is just him being out in New York. Well, and he's yeah. focus. He's focusing a lot on. Um, yeah, he's got a new band. He's got a new band, yeah. new bands, uh, and he's writing for Kerrang now. Yeah, right. Yeah. He's got a record label too. Yeah, yeah, and he's got the splattered records going on. Yeah, and, it's and like the same as always. He's got like ten jobs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's ten things. Yeah. Come here, you chip off the old banana boat. Yeah. He's always been that way, and he, I mean, uh, yeah, we've just been working on some shows. I, I have an EP that's trying to get released that just needs to get through, you know, the mixing, mastering thing and trying to get all of us to say yes and win. This is a new Speedwolf record? I mean, there's at least three new songs, yeah, and a cover that I'd like to put out there that no one's really ever heard. You guys, you guys want to do this live. as like a 7-inch or as an EP? Yeah, this just, is stuff that's already recorded? Yeah, stuff that's already recorded. I just want to put out something else that's, you know, we recorded two songs when Reed was out here for the Electric Funeral Fest just to kind of like jam it in there. Right, right. But I also have a lot of other versions of that. Like we recorded some of these, uh, some tracks back in like 2011 at the Bluebird when no one was there. Just like 
to the you know with a front of house mix. So well, I have people some people would cool, eat that up. Yeah, too. I have some cool stuff that I want people to hear, and they haven't either. They've never heard them recorded that way or it could be your garage days dude. yeah just something <laughs> you know some other kind of release would be really cool and i feel like it's just time you know if you if you come or or like gnr lies you know what i mean if you compiled all that stuff and had like yeah. the couple sound stage tracks and a couple of the new songs and like a, like a live bootleg or something yeah. like that and put that out people would eat that up man yeah i have They'd a cover it. one a couple live ones and a, a couple different studio takes and I even have like eleven or twelve like different DVDs of like all the live touring stuff from my camera that I did. I just got it all tracked over to DVDs. That's fucking awesome. So I want to do some cool stuff. It's just I don't have all like the knowledge myself to do it. So I'm trying to get other people to help me. You, you need you need Reed to be a part of that. Yeah. Because he's he's the he's the how guy where a lot of that stuff yeah. is concerned. You yeah. know he's. He's a guy like Justin in a lot of ways who who understands the marketing world and understands like like he creates cool shit. Yeah. That is definitely like his his skill set that he brings to the table. Yeah. And he's the you know, he's the guy, so it's it's hard to it's you know, I can only go so far. Right. So. Right, no. And okay, so Beneath the Steel, yep. Axe Slasher, Speed Wolf, and not a lot of people know this. But you were actually originally in Havoc for a little bit, too. Yeah, I was in Havoc for a little I did one run recording with them. So you did, what did you do, the first album with them? Uh, no, they had a drummer guy before me. His name was Hoken. Uh, and I did their second, like, EP or whatever. It was called Pwn'em All. It was really I remember artwork. that one. Yeah, the artwork was awful. Yeah, I remember that one. That was yeah. like, <clears throat> so when I knew Justin LaSalle, when we were working together at... Um, at uh at Fat Jacks, that was around the time when Ponemall came out, mm-hmm. and all I had seen was the CDR with the marker you know label on it, and this was at the time when Dave's mom Sarah was managing the band, yeah. uh, aggressively managing yeah, the band. That was intense, yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> and I remember I remember during that time. Getting contacted by Sarah and being like, being like, hey, you know, we've got this band, Havoc, and we'd love to play with you guys, and da 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 da. I don't even know if we ended up doing a show together. I think maybe it was so fucking long ago, yeah. but it was like at that point, it was like Havoc was this band of young. I mean, how much younger are you than me? How old are you? I'm 34. Okay, so you're you're only three years younger yeah. than me, but it was it was enough of a yeah. difference where they were younger than me too. I think I was the oldest one when I was in it. They were, yeah, I mean, it, Dave was probably still in high school when I oh, was, yeah. but in my early twenties, something like that. So you were probably just out of high school, mm-hmm. and so I remember just being like, you know, being like, oh, it's this, you know, band of young, this metal band of young guys, you know, I'm. It, it nothing really that that screamed to me like this band's gonna be huge, you know. Yeah. And then within a period, I would say it was five years later yeah. that I mean they are easily probably the biggest metal band to come out of Colorado. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, besides Cephalic or whatever. Yeah, Cephalic's still huge. Yeah, they haven't put on a record in a long time either. though. Cephalic hasn't. Yeah, I think it's been like eleven years for them too. Well, I mean. 
they've also put <clears throat> out like what seven records. Yeah, like they have a they have a huge body of work, and I feel like Cephalic can get away yeah. with not doing an album yeah. for a while. Yeah, Havoc doesn't have that luxury of to put one out every year. Yeah, well, I mean, it, how many albums is Havoc up to now? I don't even know. I haven't counted them. They, Those guys can play some sick guitar, dude. And, yeah, and I got is awesome. I got to tell you, it is a point of pride to go. To go on tour and see, like, especially when we've gone to Germany, mm-hmm. when we see people wearing Havoc shirts, like oh, there yeah. are people who have worn Havoc shirts, the, yeah. the Colorado logo mm-hmm. Havoc shirt, to our shows because just because they know we're a Colorado band. Yeah. And they're like, they're like, oh, yeah, Havoc is from where you're from. That, that I love that band. I see them every yeah. time they come. Like they, they talk about them like they're fucking Megadeth, man. I mean, they kind of are in a way. Like they are this yeah. generation's version of that. Like that's, you know, one of the bands that's going to take it on. It's crazy to see, man. It's that's yeah, wild. They, I mean, they've toured with all the greatest Metal, bands yeah. of yeah of all time. That's like, I saw. I worked with. It was like some dudes from Slayer and Death Angel wearing their gear, and I was like, holy what shit! The fuck? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy, man. Because they were. They were for a bit um, managed by Dave Mustaine's son, yeah, right? Yeah, Justice, I like, think his name yeah, is. Yeah, so Dave Mustaine had... So this is what happened with Dave Mustaine. We were talking about it before the podcast got started. So this is what happened, so I understand it. Maybe you can clarify it for me. Obviously, you're not in the band, so you, know, you don't know all the finer points, but you probably know it better than I do. So Dave Mustaine has a management company. And his son runs the management company. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And they they manage Megadeth, and then they manage a handful of other bands that, like, tour with Megadeth, right? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. And Havoc was one of the bands on that, on that management label. Yeah, they were trying to get, yeah. They were basically, so basically the bands on this, pur- purportedly, the bands on this on this management company are being groomed to go on tour with Megadeth and and support them, and then that'll advance their career. It's a, it's a grander scale version of, of what we're trying to do with Rodeo Star, essentially. And there was a very big, very public falling out that Havoc had with this management company. And I remember when it happened, and and I mean, it was to the point where Dave Mustaine was giving quotes about it. Mm-hmm. You know, Dave Mustaine was saying like, you know, it's unfortunate that this happened, and it's unfortunate that the rumor mill has to get involved, and da da da, and all these things, and all these articles. And I remember wondering if that was going to hinder or help Havoc's career. You know, basically having this falling out with one of the founders of of thrash metal music, of speed metal music. I don't think oh, it, they're I mean, pretty badass. It doesn't seem to hurt them because I don't. I don't think they're really in the wrong either. Like, uh, no, they yeah. weren't in the wrong. Yeah, and I and I would say, if anything, I was I was curious at that point when that went down, and at the point I'm sitting at now, in you know, in the future, it it seems as though it has only helped differentiate them. You know, yeah. it's it's only helped establish them as as an independent act, and we're not just one of these bands that is. You know, we're not just one of Megadeth's little mm-hmm. little 
apprentices. Yeah. Like we are our own legitimate band. We are our own legitimate sound. And we, you know, that I think that it, it definitely galvanized their loyal fan base. It might have kept them from getting in a position where they would have traveled the world for an indeterminate amount of time with Megadeth and gone on to who knows what. But I really do feel like it galvanized their their fan base to a degree. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, Dave's always been like that. It's definitely his vision, and he's never stopped t- to give a shit about what anyone thinks. Yeah, so, and he's he's not going to compromise. Yeah, especially with that. You know, with his whole thing that Dave, the Mustaine guy, was offering the contract wise. I mean, his the Havoc name wasn't even spelled right. That was like the first thing that was. The, what their name wasn't even spelled yeah, right. The contract it wasn't even spelled right, and it was like not even once. It was like eleven times. Or that's so, <laughs> dude, that is such a red flag. Yeah, and that's why he had the issues <laughs> with it. And then it's like you know there was more to it, obviously, but that was the thing that stuck out to me the most. Was that would be a deal breaker? Yeah, yeah it's like if we signed it, <laughs> we kind of wouldn't have had any fault because it's not really on us. That's like <clears> that. <throat> that's like that. Uh, that scene and uh, that thing you do. When uh, Tom Hanks is like, is like, we're gonna change the name. You know, the yeah. the Oneaters just confuses yeah. people. We're gonna change it to just the Wonders with a W. Like they might yeah. have signed a contract and ended up in this thing where it's like, yeah, I know your name was spelled like this, but it's spelled like this now. See? Because mm-hmm. yeah, that's how Dave Mustaine talks. Well, and there's another <laughs> band with the, I don't mean spelling. it's like, me again. It was see? a whole different thing. There's another band with a C instead of a K as Havoc and the punk rock band. I don't even know if that's the right one, but whatever. <laughs> there's the, there's the, a couple of them. Sure. The Havoc or whatever. Yeah, I don't know, but there's a you know there's another band with a C that you know is another band of, but whatever. You know, <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny that not not just once, you know, multiple times. Was it was was it every time or just like eleven times? Every time in the contract, okay, it was so spelled wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Well, at least they, you know, are consistent. Dude, that, yeah, consistent on the wrong spelling. <laughs> Any, yeah. And, you know, that's something that you would expect by, like, a a fly-by-night operation, and it's a red flag at yeah. the lower levels, but it's almost more of a red flag at with a company at that level and someone in, at, at, you know, in such an influential place in yeah. in that part of the industry, you yeah, know, he got so upset. Like that's, I think, what was the deal breaker was like. He came with this contract, and they're like, "Well, we have all these issues," and they were like, "Well, fuck you then." You, know, like, <laughs> you don't like our issues, you know? Like, you know, they got all mad about it. Like, well, we have legitimate issues, so they were like, "Well, we're not signing it." Did you just spell check me? Yeah. No one spell checks Dave Mustaine. Yeah, he, put, he put like an Instagram picture, I think, on in, you know, of him flipping off the, you know, and it like said something about the whole contract thing, but it was just a picture of Dave flipping off the camera. Like that's how he released it. To start he with. seems like a nice guy, He's doesn't a he? Real sweetheart. Oh, I was going to tell you before before we got on, or I started telling you. So we've been working on this song, and and when Tony starts playing, Stoney, Tony starts playing the riff at rehearsal, and uh, you know we always try and come up with some kind of funny working title for the song when it's going on, and uh, and and we're like playing this riff, and it totally sounds like a Megadeth riff. And uh, and we're like, okay, so what should we call that for the file? And uh, <laughs> and then Ty just goes, man, Billy Ocean must have been really bummed to get kicked out of Metallica. <laughs> like that's the whole name for the song. So I took that, I took that, and I started thinking about it, and I started working on this song. And I've been calling like the working title I have for it right now is just called Angry Dave, and it's essentially a lullaby 
to it's a it's a thrash metal lullaby to Billy O'Shit from the perspective of a like psychotic little voice in his head a la sweating bullets mm-hmm. so it's like a total norman bates yeah but it's like me. it's like don't worry it's those guys mistake they're fucking assholes Man. like the so the yeah the whole thing yeah. is just the other him yeah it's it's the real him it's just uh it's the petty little voice in billy ocean's head that's just like soon soon we'll get him back or there's that book, uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the book? I've seen it. I haven't read it yet. At the very end, there it's it's either it's either in the epilogue or it's in one of the later chapters. They use the Dave Mustaine experience as like a metaphor, like as an anecdotal metaphor to like teach a lesson, and. So he's telling this story, and he doesn't mention Dave Mustaine's name until the very end of it. It's one of those type of things. Mm-hmm. It's like once upon a time there was this guy in a band, and he w- and they he wrote their whole album and and was a major contributor. And that on this band was on the precipice of success. And then one day they woke him up and they put him on a bus and sent him home. And on that bus ride home, he made the decision that he was going to crush that band and do all these things and da 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 and 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 you know wreak vengeance and. But what ended up happening is, you know, he still sold millions of records and he still has millions of fans around the world and he's still considered one of the the godfathers of of his genre of music. But the other band totally like has 10 times that many it's and he's still better and, well, yeah <laughs> and he's not and he's yeah, he, so they go into the whole story and at the end it's like and that man's name was Billy Ocean it, and it's supposed to be this lesson in yeah, like purgatory well in like um, what do you mean I got kicked out of the <laughs> band well it's the, the whole thing is supposed to be this lesson in like making sure you have your motivations straight oh yeah I mean, you know, and part of the reason that he is such an angry, miserable cocksucker <laughs> is his mission from the get go was to destroy Metallica. Yeah. You know, not like, ah, shucks, I got kicked out of the band. Well, I guess I'll fucking I'll go do my own thing. I wish you guys success. I wish myself success. It's like it became this like obsession of like, I have to outdo them. And even though he is bigger than any of us could ever hope to be, except for maybe Richie and Tony, um, (laughs) even though he is bigger than any of us could ever hope to be, um, he's still dissatisfied because Metallica will always be at this level that is out of his reach. On stage. I think so. Back. I mean, yeah, they I feel they, like they played a show together. Yeah, they played some shows, and I th- uh, th- I think it was like Metallica's twenty fifth anniversary or something like that. Yeah. Maybe it was thirtieth anniversary. It was a while ago. Yeah, I think it was maybe thirty. And then I think Dave actually played on stage with them again. But he, I don't know. I just I, how much of that sure do you think is authentic, issues. and how much of it is do you think like, hey, is yeah, there enough money for us to pretend we like each other for I a night? I think that's kind of what it is more so. Like that just know. seems more in uh, in tune yeah. with their personality types. I think I don't do it. Yeah, I don't know if he still cares that much uh, about Metallica boys. I think he still hates them all. Yeah, (laughs) that'd be my guess. I I I think he's probably he seems like a very resentful, angry, and bitter man. Yeah, and he did it to just like clear his name of. 
Yeah, like, I, I don't have a problem. Quit talking yeah. shit about yeah. me. Yeah, so maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys owe me. Everybody thinks I hate you. And yeah. ah! I mean, He personally said that because I met him the first time. It was, like, 2004, and I had a No Life to Leather, like, you know, rip-off record that said, like, Metallica featuring Dave Mustaine with, like, this weird, like, iguana or some stupid like picture on it like <laughs> demon thing and uh, I asked him to sign it and he just like looked at me and was like I'm not like those guys I'll sign it and like <laughs> like looked, turned it over and looked and he was like I fucking wrote all these songs <laughs> and then just like handed it back to me and I was like cool and then I did like the metal hand in it and he slapped my hand in he's the like picture. don't do that don't do that so like in the picture my hand's on my hip <laughs> and my face is like bright red and I'm biting my lip like oh fuck <laughs> yeah it was really weird that was like my whole experience with him I an, another mutual friend of ours um, told me shared an anecdote about meeting him backstage and being drunk because you know, because you're at a show and you're excited and you're yeah. seeing your favorite band mm-hmm. and going up to him and being like, "Oh my god, dude! Thank yeah. you so much for you know peace cells and da da da." Just like naming, just like, "Oh my god, I love you so much!" And ah, and and, and then Dave Mustaine just being like, "Wait, are you drunk?" Yeah. Oh d- yeah, I've been drinking a little bit. Yeah. Just like, fuck off. Just, there was a girl next to me who had like the pass on her boob, and he she was like, "Will you sign it?" And he made her take it off. He signed it and then handed it back to her and like now you can put it wherever you want, and she put it back on her boob. Like but he wouldn't sign it on her boob, you know. I was like, whoa, this is this is a really weird experience with Davis. I, I, I remember uh, Farmer Joe telling me recently because we were we were having a discussion about assholes and bands and and things like that. Um, and I'm I'm sure you can imagine what the context yeah. was under. Okay. And we're having a conversation and uh, and Joey's like, hey man. Dave Mustaine's a fucking asshole, but I'll still give him money every time he comes to town. I'll still give him money every time he makes an album because he fucking cool. rips and he makes cool songs. I mean, I have, I always have, but, you know, whatever. That's what, you know, you do for people you like, I guess, music. Don't, don't meet your heroes. It's hard, man, yeah, especially in this Well, you just business. have to understand the context. Yeah, yeah, I get all of it now. Like, especially being on the other side of it, like meeting people, and they're so stoked. I've met people with tattoos and stuff, and like, it's different, you know. Especially when they meet you, and you're like, they're so excited, and you're just like, cool. The yeah. other, <laughs> you know, the, like, I'm just trying to load my gear in, man. Sorry, I, you know. The other thing though is like, Gracious knowing time, knowing that he's an asshole. Yeah, I would still be interested to meet him. Yeah, because. I'm aware that that is part of his character. You know what I yeah. mean? And we don't want to make the yeah. fundamental attribution error of saying that he is only an asshole. I'm sure, I'm he's, sure cool. he's, you know, I'm sure he has people with whom he has warm, caring, affectionate relationships. Yeah. We're you just know. the random guys he, you know, spends like 10 seconds with and like slaps my hand. He he, <laughs> he habitually has piss poor I think he rapport. does that all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Just, ah, just to everybody. The mailman shows up. He's just slapping mail out of his hand. He's like, man. At the grocery store, like fuck your milk. Like, no, he's not doing that. But he has he has habitually had piss poor rapport with fans. Yeah, that's you yeah. know. And uh, but we were talking about this before we mm-hmm. went on mic about Kiss. Mm-hmm. It's another example of that. Like mm-hmm. we were talking about Gordo was talking about the Ace Freely book and how great it was, and talking about how you know he and Peter Chris are probably the most down to earth guys that were ever in Kiss. And but even still, 
he's a product of 70s arena rock his his model of reality is warped by the unique set of deifying and lionizing circumstances that he was in during his career and so to us normal folk on the street he comes off like kind of a smug fucking asshole you know he's got his $45 shitty t-shirts and taking up the whole stage and charging people 500 bucks to sign guitars and very specific and all this (laughs) but but then you go and you see him play and you're in a room you know when he was at the Oriental it's like a room full of like 700 people hanging on every lick of Detroit Rock City you know what I mean or like he played back in the New York groove which was that was no dude that was one of my favorite parts of the show because he oh, played, because that played, album is the best Kiss album. Well, yes, it is the best Kiss album. But he played, and nobody else from Kiss is on it. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It, well, and he's like, but he's playing all the rockers, and he's playing all the Freely's Comet stuff. But then he also played back in the New York group because he like, and he was he was charming on stage, and he was fun, and he didn't come and hang out, yeah. and that sucked. But I'm not sitting here cursing the name of Ace Freely because I understand that that is the character that he is. Yeah, you know, uh, I was out back uh, hanging with some of the production, and he like was walking to the stage, and I was like, "Hey, Ace, Chicago says hello," and he, he like looked and just like looked back, not even a wave, not even a thanks, not a yeah. Cool. yeah. So I was just like, "All right, fine." <laughs> I feel like I've had more of those in my life with people that I've totally loved and had cool people, c- cool experiences. Yeah, really. Yeah. Well, and you've you've got a different because here's another thing that we haven't mentioned about you. Another attribution, another one of your designations is is the way you make a living. Is you are a full time lighting engineer, and uh, you're actually like like one of the one of the bosses over there at, at in the lighting department, right? Yeah, kind of like the like. Head what light, would you call your title? Like the head uh, lighting guy or uh, LD over there. I'm the head lighting D or. Yeah, lighting, lighting, light, yeah. lighting designer. Yeah, uh, yeah. Basically, I just fix everything almost, or make the phone calls, to order stuff. You know, I get all the those calls. But I also work shows over there and do stage managing. And so you clubs. you have <laughs> met a disproportionate amount of of musicians in general, just in yeah. what you do for a living. Yeah, and that's kind of how I started. Like I was the nerdy guy who would show up, you know, eight hours early to try to meet those people, and I would end up hanging out with. You know, being like, oh, you, what do you do here? And like, oh, I do lights. And I was like, man, I want your job. And like, all I do is dig holes for a living and stuff. And they'd be like, oh, well, I can see if I can get you a job. Yeah. So I started getting in jobs with those guys. It started because they, you know, it was shitty outside. They're like, you know, just hang out inside for the sound check because you're like the only dumb kid out here. <laughs> so, I mean, I kind of just got into it that way. But meeting people before and now has kind of been different and weird. You know, now you're kind of not supposed to be a fanboy and sometimes you can right you're supposed to play it cool like that's part of the job yeah it's like and i've heard that before as a um as a pre-qualifier for jobs like that it's like is like hey we're hiring a marketing manager for this company but no fanboys like are you gonna are you gonna fanboy out on (laughs) celebrity like what who's your favorite artist if you met them would you freak out on them i mean that just happened to me at slayer we went to albuquerque to see slayer and i'm hanging out with steve and kiss uh who worked back you know they've worked with these bands before so we're all backstage right as slayer gets off this uh stage and the management comes up to me and is like is this this dude with you talking about me and i was like steve says yes he's like hmm 
patch vest guy. He's usually a problem. Is he going to be a problem? <laughs> you know, like, patch vest guy. Yeah. He's usually a problem. Yeah. And then looks to see, is she going to be a problem? Just because I'm wearing like my patch vest. Because you like bands. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I was standing right there. And I was like, well, you haven't met me yet. I'm not that guy. You know, like I'm just standing here. Like I work with all these guys too. Being talked like, yeah. about. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to use that quote yeah. forever. Uh, patch vest guy, huh? You, you, they've started doing so my dear old dad who you've met mm-hmm. he just got into you know he got into metal like five years ago or what my dad calls metal mm-hmm. and he's like he got back back from the monster and we Saxon so we gave well <laughs> dude he's actually because of going on the monsters rock cruise like he's hung out with a lot of those people yeah. like uh Rick from Def Leppard, like uh, my dad owns a few of his paintings. Damn. You know, like um, my dad has a base painted by one of the guys from Tesla. Like, you know, like. Yeah, he got a base that was painted by the guys at Tesla. And what? Then, and then they and played then, it and, and handed it to him. him. Yeah, they yeah, performed with it, then signed it, and then sold it to him. So, so my dad good. my dad is becoming like a super fan, right? <laughs> really, my dad just likes being around the noise and the people and the alcohol and yeah, the fun. scantily clad girls. He likes it. Yeah, he, I mean, who it's fun. Does it? He just he just <laughs> likes Why are you doing he it? just <laughs> likes being invited to the party. Yeah, we all. But do. we made we made a patch vest for my dad for the tour <laughs> that we went on, and he comes back from the Monsters of Rock cruise and he's like. He's like, so I'm I'm gonna be running out of room on my jacket soon, but I saw on the cruise there's these guys that actually they do the patches on their pants. So my dad is like very excited about becoming the patch pant uh, the patch pants guy. Like he's gonna have a show pa- have show pants. Oh, dude, he's gonna have show pants. Breaking new ground. <laughs> I, I guess it's a pretty common a thing. Patch. Like the super fan dudes, That's the, the super fan dudes really? do that. Yeah, so if you think the patch vest guy is a problem, the patch pants guy yeah. is like the patch trench coat dude who is the worst. So far. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I need more room for patches. That is a lot of real estate to cover. <laughs> oh yeah, I like all the bands. Yeah, just cloak. So who was <laughs> so who was the nicest and who was the least nice or the meanest <clears throat> person that you've met working either either in a band or working. In the capacity of a of a crew person, just like the best and the worst. Crew, I don't even remember probably because it just happens so often. We usually get treated like crap, but <laughs> that just seems like, hey, like local. And you're like, I introduced myself like twelve times. <laughs> they say, but, "Hey, local." That yeah. seems so counterintuitive. Yeah, man. that I mean that Why that happens. Fuck? Sometimes they're super nice. I'm not saying that. Sometimes they super are, but it's usually just like whatever. See, that's that why so many of the big venue crew guys are kind of prickly. Yeah. Is because they're used to getting treated like garbage all day by fucking. Yeah, you know, grumpy sound guys. Those guys are everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The old grumpy. So yeah. okay, so but uh, uh, the nicest as a fan. Then the nicest who um, is no longer with us. Dime was the nicest guy. Dimebag was a nice guy. Oh yeah, you met Dime, didn't yeah. you? He was yeah, the nicest. You can see it right there. Where you met yeah. Him. Oh, yeah, we were talking about that earlier too. Because yeah. so Rich, so you can't see it because we're not doing video. <clears throat> yeah. But Richie had like you're a huge Pantera fan. Yeah, they yeah, made my whole like high school life happen when I was <laughs> Pantera. Did yeah, they were the best thing. So you've got you've got everybody from Pantera's autograph tattooed on your arm. Yeah, it took a long time to get it because a lot of them kind of were turds. But <laughs> Dime was the coolest. Um, Phil Anselmo was the least cool. Yeah, probably. But yeah. I, I mean, it 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 took him like four times to actually have him sign my arm. 
Like he uh, wouldn't do it. I, I met him a couple times at like backstage meeting. I met him the night uh, Hank Williams or no Johnny Cash died. Oh wow! And I actually rolled a couple joints and was like, "Let's fucking smoke," you know. And he took my joints and walked in his bus, <laughs> and said like, "I'll be back in like ten minutes to give you an autograph." And I waited there forever. And then I ended up talking to Hank Williams the third and talking to him because I thought that was pretty cool and getting high with that dude. Is he a pretty nice guy? Uh, Hank, Hank three? three? He was awesome. I've heard that. Every time I met him, he was like the coolest dude. I've heard he's a pretty He cool even guy. told me it was like, you know, Phil leaves after after he stops singing, he leaves, and we finish the song. He's already in the bus by the time we're throwing out. That was with Ass Jack? Or uh, no, that was with Super Joint. Joint. Yeah. yeah. So he was like, if you really want to meet him, as soon as we play a song, leave. You know, or whatever, at the last part, and you'll meet him at the back door. So I fucking did, and I was the only dude out there, no security. And he walked right up to me, grabbed me by the arm, walked me all the way to his bus. When I asked for an autograph, he just shut the door in my face and walked on his bus. Uh, and I waited there, and he never came off the bus, and the bus drove away. <laughs> you know, like, but and then like there was a couple other times where he just wouldn't sign it. I had to do that like fifteen dollar like pay his, to get his CD at Ozfest, and I just was you know I was like we signed my arm. Dude, you and Joey Klontz should hang out, man. But that's why I had him sign it twice because then I worked a down show at the gothic is that a full one down here too yeah he i was wearing a venom shirt so he wrote venom lyrics and signed it at the bottom on in 09 but uh all tattooed on you man. yeah well because i didn't really like the first one the tattoo guy kind of fucked it up just made it kind of look i don't know like too clean but it, yeah. do, it like didn't look like a signature to you yeah i mean i went through the whole Ozfest show so it was kind of like a little bit damaged you know what i mean but Phil also drew, like, an upside-down cross, like, down my whole arm, too, and, like, did a bunch of stuff that was like, don't do that part. <laughs> <laughs> don't I'm do get, all the extra crap that yeah, he threw in. So, he, you know, the guy kind of messed up and, like, pointed it out a little bit, so I made him do it again. I just I just mean, Richie, like, like guys like you and Joey Klontz and Matt Angeli and Eric Escudero, you know, like, the fans' fans, like... You guys make the fucking world go round, and those and dudes like that who just pull that kind of disrespectful shit... Like, I'm way too wrapped up in my ego to deal with that kind of rejection once. Yeah. You know what I mean? I won't even – I'm not generally a very shy person, but I'm pretty shy about approaching yeah. celebrities, you I know, for that now. reason. Yeah. Because I just – I dislike getting that kind of rejection when you, like, open yourself up to be so yeah. vulnerable to someone that you respect and they turn around and, like, jab it in you. Yeah. That, like, I can't handle that. So the fact that yeah. you've gone through that so many times to me, and, like, I know Joey yeah. has experienced it a bunch. I know a bunch of my friends who are, like, true diehard fans of music have experienced those moments and, and yeah. keep going back to it, man. Yeah, I just did that, too, recently. I flew out to Oakland and saw Violence, which is one of my favorite bands. They just got back together and did, like, a first show in, like, 16 years or something. Mm -hmm. And I brought stuff to sign because I was a nerdy guy. And I used to have, like, a card in my wallet that was a Violence baseball card or whatever. And I had the other two guys sign it from being in uh, uh, Machine Head. So, oh, cool. you know, finally I was going to get to see everybody else have them sign it. And it was a little awkward, like, asking for autographs and stuff. But, I mean, there's a couple people that I could still do that with. But real quick, like, you know, sign this real quick and leave. But I've brought stuff to have people sign and chicken out at the last minute because it's, like, so awkward and weird. Right. Right. 
Like I met uh, Exodus played and it was like the night, uh, the anniversary of Dime's death, just like an mm-hmm. anniversary. And every like there's people like at the back door playing Pantera while we loaded in, and it was just like super awkward. They had high security. And I was like, I don't want to be that guy. Like right, sign right. a baseball card for me, you know? Right, like, right. The, it never came up to be a moment where it wouldn't have felt like forced. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And that's cool that you're able to be aware of those subtleties, yeah, you know. Now, of, yeah, because uh, I used to. I mean, I freaked out on people, and like Pete Sandoval was one of the other ones who was really cool from Morbid Angel. Pete oh yeah, he, he was one of the nicest dudes I ever met. He was also the first guy I ever met. So how how was Dime? How was Dime? What was it about Dime that that really stood out to you as being something that he like, kicked open the door a, to the bus? Like, he kicked open the door to the bus and was like, "Come on in," and I was like. <laughs> Me? <laughs> you know, because it happened before. Like, I was sitting there by myself, and all of a sudden this car rolled up with, like, all these, like, scantily clad chicks. <clears throat> and I, of course, the bus opened right up, and they all got in. And I was like, motherfucker, all these little bitches get in. <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm the only one who knows them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know sitting out front by myself. And then all of a sudden, only dime opens the door and was like, come on in. That's what I was like, me. And, of course, like, I walk in, every band member dude... Vinny's got two chicks, one on each side. Doesn't give a shit that I'm there. Right. You know, doesn't even look at me when I walk in the bus. And he has a shot porn. He was like, have a seat. And actually, like, pulled up on the bus, sat down, and asked me, how, what'd you think of the show? That's cool, man. <laughs> you know, and, I, and he was like, oh, I got you a shot. And I was like, you don't have to drink if you don't want to. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm going to say no to you right now. Like, come on. <laughs> and we talked a little bit. He's like, I saw you already have Phil's autograph, blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> Did he say it all disdainfully like that? Not, not really, but he like he was like, man, I try. I called that motherfucker. I haven't talked to that motherfucker in four years, you know. And started kind of talking. Was this at sure. a Damage Plan show yeah. that this happened? Oh, yeah. cool. I met uh, uh, Dimebag. The only time I ever met him was November was like seventeenth, two thousand fourteen. So it was only a few weeks before he got shot. Yeah. Oh um, man. Yeah, like they. Yeah, from yeah. So only like three weeks maybe until he because it was on tour with Shadows Fall and. God. Shadows Fall actually headlined that night, so they were doing like a swap headline. So I already saw Shadows Fall a bunch, so I got to leave after Damage Plan, and that's, everybody that I knew that went to the show was still inside. <clears throat> oh, cool. That's with just me. That's so cool. How and, long did you end up hanging out with him for? I mean, it was probably like 20 minutes, and then some guy tapped me and was like, you good? And, you know, I, he gave me a bunch of autograph stuff. He signed all the stuff I had, asked me if I had a camera, and I said I didn't. He took some pictures on his camera, and I've never seen them. But oh man, and then I got off the bus. He, you know, he signed my arm, and I had that razor blade at the time. I'm not, I don't have it on right now. But he like moved my hair out of the way and like took a picture of me, and he was like, "Man, I hit that motherfucker up perfect." <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "Flex your arm, man," and he like. So I flexed. He was like, man, I hit that motherfucker up perfect. <laughs> Dude, but I, then he didn't give a shit. He just like signed it real quick, and I walked off the bus. I almost feel like. Um, that's fucking cool. After Dime awesome. passed away, <laughs> that was the coolest part. It made Vinny a cooler guy. Yeah, because I, I saw know. I saw a lot of the press stuff that was going on with Vinny afterwards, mm-hmm. and like I saw him go on, um, I saw him go on uh, that metal show or or Headbangers Ball or something, mm-hmm. and he comes out and like he just addressed the crowd and he's like, Dime loved all you guys so much yeah. and and like he he appreciated all you guys and mm-hmm. he was the one guy out of all of us that was like most cared about the fans. Yeah. And I He definitely cared. Yeah, I accidentally ran into Vinny at um at uh I've mentioned it before on the show. I accidentally ran into him Vegas. at the in Vegas at the mm-hmm. the Hard Rock mm-hmm. at a Hell's Bells show. Mm-hmm. I thought he was uh I thought he was Blaine Cartwright. <laughs> That's awesome. And I went up and went, "Oh, 
you're not Blaine Cartwright. You're, dude, <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. And he was, you know, was very gracious, kind. I didn't talk to him for very long, but. Yeah, he was an awesome dude when I met him. Like, but when when the chicks were there, it was like, oh, of know, course not. <clears throat> yeah, you don't mean anything. Yeah, I met those dudes once, and it was awesome. <clears throat> Who Pantera? Yeah, Vinny, well, Vinny, and Dime in particular were yeah. both really cool. They guys. were both super cool. They signed, they signed everything. They signed my buddy's poster, and then Dime pissed on it. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of what happened. What they do you mean he bar. pissed on it? Well, they took us backstage because my my buddy at the time. Tone, he had uh, Liberty spikes that were about like two feet high, and so he's like, "Oh, you got to come back here, buddy." And then he he dragged us back there, you know, and they were just serving up, you know, bottles of liquor, you know, just like big old table full of like I don't know some dilapidated looking lettuce and <laughs> you know like some carrots or something, right, right, and then just a bunch of alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, he signed my buddy's poster, <laughs> and. Um, he like he set it down on the couch for a second, and uh, and Dime was like, "I gotta piss," and he uh, just he just pissed basically from this ficus tree in the corner, all across the wall, all, all over the couch, and all over the my buddy's <laughs> poster. That's awesome. And I <laughs> I kept picking it up, and I'm like, "Here, man, take your poster." He's like, "No, no, <laughs> I don't want it." Was that before the show or after the show? I kept that it. was after the show. Yeah, okay. And Phil was in the corner, just looking very, very grim. Yeah, very grim. You don't fuck with the kid. Oh, sp- uh, speaking, speaking. I, uh, bef- before you tell me about the what worst, before you tell me about the worst one, uh, little kind of tangential aside here, you actually got to jam with Down, didn't you? Yeah, that was a pretty cool experience. I, that that uh, is like an experience I've never heard of anybody yeah. having before. Well, that's because that's, uh, that's probably Henry, the drummer of St. Vitus's fault. It's uh, he was hanging out and when. He was hanging out with this guy named Patrick. He's the bass player down at the time. Um, and that's how we started to get to know each other. But at the end of that Bury Me in Smoke song, they would always have, like, a, trying to switch off. Like, we would take instruments, and they would swap off their instruments with, like, the Melvins at the summit. They did that. Right. And every show, that's I so always saw, cool. like, some other – and it was sometimes their techs would do it. So I asked to do it at one of the shows – or as at the summit. And I was like, you know, since the bass player was the only dude I knew – you know, I was hey, like, man. you want to switch bases to that? You know, I'll fuck try. I didn't think he would even go over. Right. And um, he was like, yeah, sure, man, whatever. I don't, you know, if if no one's up there, that's fine. <laughs> and sure enough, like the guy from the Melvins or whatever did it. So we played Maryland Death Fest and I was there for the three days. We I think we played on the same night. Right. We played, we're like the first band that started the fest and down was the headliner. So <clears throat> I had passes. Me and Chris were just like hanging out behind bass, his bass amps, right on stage, hanging out drinking whiskey with the drummer and stuff <laughs> and the drum tech. And when that changeover happened, all of a sudden, like drummer switches over. And I was like, well, I just lost my chance to do that. And bass player is looking around and just catches eyes with me and he's like, watch me. Plays the riff all like dumb one finger style and just threw his bass on me. Oh, that's so fucking fun. Yeah, I got some video of it. Uh, it's on my Instagram somewhere. Um, I remember seeing Sarah post about it when it happened. Like, It dude, was crazy. your sister is your biggest fan, by yeah, the way. It was I, pretty I, awesome. I don't know if you're aware of that, but your yeah. sister is your biggest fan. Well, like, like, it, the talk was kind of about it, so I told Desiree and stuff about it, and she was in the crowd, and I tried to find him. Yeah, that was the first thing I tried to do, but the crowd was so big I couldn't. Do it. I, right, right. I don't know how you play in front of crowds. <laughs> I hid back with the drums. <laughs> I like, saw it for a second. I was like, oh, shit. I don't like that. Look for a smiling face. 
Yeah, oh, it was the, Will, the Willie Nelson approach. You just look for the smiling face and let it and let it grow out from there. Well, it sucked because the first people I saw were just going like, "Holy shit!" And just like Jake and Desiree just tried to take pictures, and Jake was like, "Holy fuck, dude!" <laughs> so I was just like that feeling, and you know, like Phil came up and hugged me during it. It was a pretty wild experience. Yeah. That's I don't even know cool, if I man. played the bass riff right, but that's still yeah. that's fucking awesome. Yeah, that's fucking. Yeah, Jake was like, "You played a Rickenbacker bass before I ever did in my whole life." <laughs> I was like, "That was the first time I ever touched a bass." That's yeah. pretty incredible. First time man. I ever touched the bass. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, uh, well, I mean, I would assume that you Holy, like that, you would probably take. To, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty I mean. incredible. I assume you would take to the bass pretty uh, pretty well since you're a drummer. You know. Yeah, I could kind of figure. I mean, it's a really easy riff now that I think about it. But he, you know. But you just, didn't at yeah. the time. You didn't know. Yeah, you got I thought nerves I had. Going. Yeah, I thought I had it, and then it's like you just kind of lose it when everyone's up there and Phil touched me, and I just I remember stop playing and hugging him, and then I was like, oh yeah, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get back. <laughs> Tony, you remember when we were in, um, we were in Munich, and uh, the carburetors were doing their set, and they did, um, they did whole lot of Rosie. And we were hanging out by the merch table, and you were, you know, you were standing in front of the merch table having beers and stuff. And mm. Kai, Kai would always do his thing at the end of the night where he would, you know, run into the crowd with his wireless and be soloing <laughs> in right. front of people. Yeah, I remember. And he, uh, they're doing a whole lot of Rosie, and just somehow he knew that you would know a whole lot of Rosie for guitar players. And we've got, <laughs> we've got, we've got a picture of it somewhere. But Tony's got a beer in his right hand, and Kai is laying on top of our merch table. And playing whole lot of Rosie, and Tony is fretting mm-hmm. the song while he's strumming it. And Tony's got his other hand with his beer in it, and he's like pointing and throwing up horns along while he's. And I had the fortune to be standing right there in the merch table when that happened with my dad, Appreciate and I was just like, I was like, Father, this is this is what I've been doing instead of going to college for the past, <laughs> you know, fifteen years. Welcome to my world. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, um, so okay. <laughs> The worst you told it like dime is is the best hands Definitely down. Best. Who is the worst? Uh, man, probably Danzig. Danzig was probably the worst. Ooh, of me. Just, I've heard, but I, like I didn't try to get his autograph or anything because he's just one of those people. Neither, I didn't neither one on both sides, the best side and the worst side, don't sound surprising. Yeah, at no, all. that's what's weird. I mean, there's been a few like uh, I mean, Dave Lombardo was not really nice when I met him, but I don't know. That was just a weird occasion too. He yeah. just took a phone call as soon as I tried to reach out my hand. Oh, was that uh <laughs> like uh, <laughs> I gotta take this. Yeah, and then just Psych. like literally like sign it and walked away. Was that with, with Dead like, Cross? Uh that was with Phantomas. Oh with Phantomas. Oh, yeah, the Cervantes. Sweet. Have yeah. you met Mike Patton? Yeah. Are the rumors true? Is he a monster or is he an all right dude? He seemed pretty nice, but he was also like really wise cracky where I could see why it would freak people out, you know? Like Right. He's just kind of a smart ass. Yeah. Very he's smart a little ass. bit of a he's just a yeah. little bit of a troll. Yeah. He like, just like will say stuff and be like, what the fuck does that mean? Is that like do you is that a backhand compliment? No, it's, it's yeah, yeah. It's because he's been in charge the whole time and nobody's told him. Yeah, to and fuck he's out. he's just nuts too. Like he's his he's, mind is out there. Yeah, he's a, he's a wild dude. Like they, I mean, I worked the Dead Cross show at the Ogden. And he wanted like a uh, it was like a male, no, it was like a transvestite. He wanted to present a cake or something. He wanted a drag queen to present yeah, to a present cake. a cake to one of his band members, and we had to jump through basically hoops to make this happen. <laughs> I remember that yeah, happening at that show. Like, yeah, I want a trainee to come out and like they, but they were like, but it's an escort, so sh- he can't touch them or you can't touch them. It was all these. Oh, they had to stuff. get it from an. E- yeah, get, they really had get to get like, it from an escort. Yeah, because it couldn't. It was an actual trainee that they had to find. And I was like, man, you could have just went on Colfax and started asking people. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're just out go there. Go to the hangar bar and just yeah. start asking. The it bartender. was a big big thing, but I was like, who who does that? 
Like that was like one of the first things he said out of the bus was like, I need a tranny hooker to come give us a birthday cake. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like him. Yeah. When I when when they did the Faith No More shows, what the fuck? they did a big long kind of opening set mm-hmm. and the very first words out of Mike Patton's mouth was staring out at the 10,000 people at Red Rocks Amphitheater, a marvel of like na- like the splendor of nature, just like one of the most amazing venues, like Glorious. destination. Ve- like it's, yeah. there's no place like Red Rocks. And Mike Patton looks out at the crowd and just goes, "What a dump, huh?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah. and then, like, like gestures over to the giant cliff and goes, "I want to stand up on top of that cliff and just." piss on all of you <laughs> and I was like that's fucking hot like yeah. I thought it was funny yeah. that's but I heard great. Yeah. well you saw that too. it was fucking hilarious yeah. but then like I, he- I heard people later who didn't think it was so funny they yeah. can fuck off yeah. yeah, yeah, Mike Patton's that's, I mean, that's, fucking great. Yeah, that's him he's abrasive and glorious all at the same time what do you what do you expect from that fucking guy you yeah. know what I mean he's I a hoping. cartoon so, yeah. so what happened with Danzig that was so bad oh yeah he was just like he like is an idiot when he holds the microphone for one because he like holds it backwards but has to have like the butt fill and the monitors behind him so every time he's not singing he's just like pointing his mic right into a microphone <laughs> or in the wedge and he's just like always yelling like turn it up he used to I guess have like come over to the desk and like touch your faders like do, try to do it himself <laughs> and I guess they were like well you know Danzig's famous for coming over here and touch a fader so like they made a dummy fader so he could just thought he was doing something <laughs> you know like do more high end you know come over and just like raise a fader you know but it's like <laughs> in real life fader. that would like blow up people's ears because they're just like high end feedback <laughs> so they just made like a dummy fader for him to touch but he was just you know <laughs> Be like throwing mic stands at the monitor guy and like they have to throw a dummy yeah. fucking fader up for yeah, dances. It's hilarious. hilarious. Yeah, he's not very pleasant on on stage. <laughs> well, and he's got he's got the strict anti camera rules at at any show that he's doing. Yeah, I've heard about that. And um, there was one I heard about. I think it was here in Denver. He had like broken his arm recently or something, and his arm was in a sling, and there was signs everywhere. That said, no cameras. If you pull out a camera, you'll be thrown out. And then he comes out of stage, out on stage with his arm in a sling. And it's like, oh, he doesn't want the internet to see him like, because he knows people go to fucking town on it. Well, I wish I had a cell phone back when I first saw him back in, I forget what year it was, but I saw his ball hanging out on stage (laughs) at the Ogden. I wish I got pictures of that so I could post that. (laughs) (laughs) A mutual friend of ours. Uh, who, who's a listener of the podcast and one of our patrons, Mike Heck, he um, he actually has a Facebook group. Like, he is a known uh, Misfits member troll. Mm-hmm. Like, he trolls all those guys. Like, he has an entire page that is, oh, uh, what's it called? I, th- I want to say it's, like, called Keep On Danzig or something like that. <laughs> and it's all just, like, everything that comes out on it is Danzig memes and... He's been contacted by Danzig's people and told to like knock it off and shit like that. Like, he, knock it off. He well, he calls uh he refers to um, Doyle as fuck meat because um, oh, I think I <laughs> like this. because uh, at least he used to be. I don't know if he still is, but he used to be married to the singer from Arch Enemy. Yeah, he still is. He still is, and. Uh, 
and I guess she kind of wears the pants and runs the show. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, I, I don't know. It's pretty funny stuff. Anyway, wild. Yeah, fuck. Danzig, I'm not yeah. surprised. You also met. Yeah, there's a few that are on the list. There's a uh, there's some cool people, but it's always just like super quick and you know respectful. There's some people actually like gave me their phone number. That's pretty cool. You know, that's cool. Who gave yeah. you their phone number? Uh, Phil Demmel has. I have his. his Who's phone Phil Demmel? He's a guitar player. Of violence. I was so excited when I got his phone. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. Wait three days. He's wait like, three days. Text me before eleven. <laughs> you also, you also met my favorite band. And and of course it didn't matter to you because it was just another band that you were at work for. Who's that? Ween. You met the oh, Ween yeah. guys. Yeah, I got those guys. Yeah, uh, and said, Diener was really cool. Yeah, Diener was, was cool. really awkward and weird. Yeah, it was a little weird. Uh, Diener was really cool. We actually, I forget what shirt I was wearing, but he liked my shirt. He's a huge metal and punk rock fan. Yeah. And I'm just I'm that guy at shows still. I still wear heavy metal shirts everywhere I go. Like there's there's a You're wearing one right now yep. that I can't even read. Twigs, man. This is awesome, man. Blood incantation. They they super that. Yeah. Those sticks say blood incantation. Yes. It looks like the end of Sleeping Beauty. They're really good. With all the thorns, with the knight chopping <laughs> through the thorns. Come on. I can't even come close. Blood incantation. I see rip, the end. Yeah. Uh, speaking You're of check them out. Speaking of bands with uh, hard to read logos, mm-hmm. have you seen the? Uh, Lords of Chaos movie yet? No, I haven't. I, I want to. It's worth a watch. Yeah, I've had I've had both sides of the, each. Uh, people tell me not to, and people tell me to. I want to check it. I just I don't. It's have it's to. a fun night at the movies. Worst yeah. case, you know, it's it's entertaining, yeah. uh, and it's a it's a funny story. It's yeah. a very silly, silly, sad story. Yeah. I would recommend going. To I see do want to see it. Uh, should we take a quick break? We should. Sure. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I think uh, we're going to get Gordo to smoke with us because Tony found his strain. <laughs> found Gordo's strain. Yeah, we got a joint of uh, Chocolope that we're going to smoke with Gordo here in a minute and uh, talk some more with Richie. Yeah. Be right back. The uh, the Dave Mustaine video. Oh, and by the way, I'm this, recording. By the way, yeah, this week, <laughs> this week. Of course. No, no, no. I knew you were. I knew you were. And this is what I'm saying: is this week replace it with Billy Ocean? Okay. Right. Okay. The Billy Ocean. Okay. Yeah. Billy so, Ocean. so everybody, everybody, we got to take turns saying Billy Ocean into the microphone. Billy Ocean. So, Billy Ocean. <laughs> Billy Ocean. <laughs> Billy Ocean. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Billy Ocean. Yeah, the Nug Nation is doing a new video for uh, Billy Ocean. Billy Ocean. I wanted to correct that from the last episode. (laughs) We got some letters. Some people were very upset at us uh, spreading that misinformation that we were doing. A video for Billy Joel that is not, in fact, true. We are doing a video for Billy Ocean. Man, Gordo never smokes with us unless it's on accident. Whoops! <laughs> All right, let's see. Thank if this you. Is my I appreciate strength. you smoking with us. <laughs> yeah. He peer pressure's peer pressure's a real bugger. Technically, bugger. Tony found my string. Yeah, he did. Tony it, found my string. It was it was at Silverstem on uh, Colfax and Uinta. While we're uh, while we're passing around this here chocolope, I want to take Hall a minute Blade. to give a shout out to our sponsors. 
first and foremost, our most venereal sponsor, nay, venerable sponsor, Jerry Matula from Matula Plumbing. This Plains, Illinois. Shit rolls downhill. Don't be at the bottom. Your shit is our bread and butter. Your number two is our number one priority. Angie's List Super Service Award winner 2011. Jerry Matula. He'll wear the motherfucking booties for you because the customer appreciates it. Tell Jerry the boys sent you. Evergroove Studio in the Shadow Mountain region of Evergreen, Colorado. There's a lot of studios out there, but only one studio is the greatest in all the multiverse, and that is Evergroove Studio. Go see Brad and Jenny and the Ethans and and all the amazing people who work for them. State-of-the-art audio and video studio. They also do live streams on their YouTube channel that you should definitely check out. We record our uh, motherfucking Monday series up there. We uh, are getting ready to record season three here soon at some yes, point. Very soon. Relatively speaking, very soon. Solar powered. How many studios have you ever been to that are solar powered? And um, I don't know if this is a big selling point, but I think it's a very interesting piece of trivia. It is designed after the same model as God City Studios which is uh, the studio that Converge, one of the guys from Converge owns. I don't, I don't know. It's fancy pants. And that's cool. Yeah, and that's cool. Evergrove Studios. Tell Brad and Jenny the boys sent you. The boys sent you. The boys sent you. Flipside Music on South Acoma Street in Denver, Colorado. Boutique style, pedal, amp, guitar, and a just wisdom shop. Like if if... If, like, there was a character in Morrowind or Morrowind in Elder Scrolls were, like, who was, like, a rocker, like a minstrel, like, like the shop (laughs) that they would want to go to where all the good stuff would be. Okay. Like, that would be flip side music. That's, like, you have to be in a certain number of guilds and... And like build up your points to I don't know I've never played Elder Scrolls anyway. It's a role playing game. One of the most expansive universe, the greatest achievement of role playing game technology in the last ten years. It's He's a good. high wizard. It's pretty good. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you have to be a high. Wi- you have to be a high wizard. <laughs> you have to be a high wizard to shop at Flipside Music on South Acoma. We are just high peasants. You can, All become, this- you can become a level ninety nine <laughs> legend. You right. can become a level 99 legend by going but to Flipside. Flip only with the stuff at Flipside. Only with the stuff at Flipside. Yeah, tell like the boys sent you. Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios, the official rehearsal space of motherfucking Ruckus <coughs> and a bunch of other bands, like kind of all of them. I've jammed there with all the projects. Yeah. Yes. It's it's yeah, kind of nice. Money still. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're the reason they make people pay in advance now. <laughs> Fully equipped <coughs> rehearsal, hourly rehearsal studios. Just bring a little cash and your guitars, and uh, man, you ain't got to carry shit. Yeah, they're actually really. If awesome you're a vocalist, if awesome. you're a vocalist, you don't have to carry a damn thing. I have harmonicas sometimes, and I, I carry ever, stuff. Ever is the key right there. <laughs> I carry all the business stuff. I carry the laptop and the notebooks I and the, the brain. and the camera equipment. <laughs> I have the vision. Do you have a satchel? <laughs> that was a good impression of a mutual friend of ours, by the way. Good job, Richie. Yeah. <laughs> I have the brain. <laughs> it's my brain, dude. 
That sounds just like him. Mutiny <laughs> <laughs> Information Cafe, Dumb. the motherfucking podcast, and a bunch of other podcasts are um, Mutiny Transmissions. Mutiny Transmissions is a media division of Mutiny Information Cafe at 2 South Broadway in Denver, Colorado. Uh, My band's it, playing there in June. Are you? Yeah, uh, Beneath the Steel is playing there with that Dawn Raid uh, June 2nd. June 2nd. Mm-hmm. That's cool. At, that Mutiny Cafe. Mutiny's yeah. a good place to go see a show. Yeah. Uh, it's also a good place to get a cup of coffee, get some records, play some pinball, buy some comic books, yep. see some live comedy or poetry, or go to an after-hours smokeout if you know the right people. Yep. Um, man, and or just sit and use the internet and uh, just make sure you don't jack off in their bathroom. Tony learned that the hard way. Anyway, yo, tell Matt and Jim the boys sent you. Oh, they also won an award for best podcast network along with a couple other. Actually, they won three Westward awards this year. Best podcast network, best all ages venue and best. God, one other thing. They they won a few things. Anyway, uh, they're they're like a cultural epicenter here in the heart of Denver, Colorado. Mutiny Information Cafe. Check it out. Uh, or you can order stuff online at mutinyinfo.com. TheNugNation.com, creators of Billy Ocean's newest hit video, which is going to be dropping very, very soon. Stay Billy tuned for Ocean. announcements on that. In the meantime, go to thenugnation.com and check out all the videos with those wacky nugs in their crazy adventures through the town of Nugville, Colorado. It's a real place. It's it's close to South Park. It's close to South... It's like South Park, but like made of weed. <laughs> check it out. Thenugnation.com. Ounce for ounce, the best homegrown comedy in a millennia. Since the beginning of comedy. Of course, last but most, the few dozen amazing, badass, generous mofos who back us via a small contribution on patreon.com slash mfruckus. Uh, Our patrons get access to pretty much the band feed and everything that comes out before it comes out and like gets a behind the scenes look at everything we're doing and uh, also helps us do everything that we do. Uh, they help this podcast come out. They help our uh, help us run our web series, our uh, our comic book, our motion comic, our album that's coming out, our live shows, merchandise, marketing, everything that we need to do to keep the ship afloat. All happens because of these amazing people who back us on Patreon um, in exchange for a small recurrent contribution. It's pretty fucking awesome, man. We appreciate the shit out of you guys. Thank you so very much. Uh, man, did we go through that entire joint during the sponsors? No. Do you want to keep going? Yeah. I do not. <laughs> I'm okay. I don't mind. I don't <laughs> <laughs> Richie's a seasoned veteran. I'm a connoisseur. So we, talk, we talked about, <laughs> we talked uh, out in the hallway, there was another story that came up, um, a really good one. That that just as a quick tangential aside, Tony, tell us about Skib's uh, Kiss story. Oh, when he met Gene. Uh, yeah, yeah, when he when he met Kiss. Yeah. Yeah, he he was uh, he was doing that signed meet and greet, and he walked up to uh, Thayer and gives him a high five. He goes, You're badass, and then goes up to Stanley. You're badass, and then goes up to Gene. He just grabs him, and says, "Take the picture, kid. Just take the picture, just kid. Take the picture." Yeah. <laughs> he had places to be. Yeah, like right there. He, uh, yeah. 
And the other thing I was going to say earlier was the closest to down to the earth that there is in Kiss is no longer here with us. His name is Eric Carr. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's literally. He, yeah, he's no longer. He no longer exists. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> That's a mean one. I'm sorry. So we uh, talked about we talked about the all the projects you got you got working right now. Um, <coughs> one thing I I regret is that we have scarcely had the opportunity to play together. Yeah, I still feel bad about the not doing the tour thing. I don't think you should feel bad about it. I, I mean, kind of probably done it at the end of it though. We I know out. after after it all came out in the wash. Well, what happened was you which tour. It was the... The one that Joe ended up doing, the yeah. oh, the Nitro Gods yeah. tour. I could have done that part, and then it was like a talk of you guys doing extended stuff after yeah. that was the part I couldn't do, so then it changed at the last minute, but yeah. I could have. Early, <sighs> early on in the conversation, so early on when we were talking about it, oh, yeah. is it was supposed to be like a two-week tour. We were supposed to be out way longer, and because of... Various snafus that I will not comment on on the podcast. Uh, we were Billy Ocean, yeah, Billy Ocean, Ocean. <laughs> Billy Oh shit, um, Billy Ocean. A, a bunch of dates dropped off the calendar, so by the time it got pared down to what it ended up being, Richie totally could have yeah, could have done it. Done. But at that point, we have we had already been rehearsing. Yeah. We had already been doing all these different things. Sorry. Like Moves have been made. <laughs> it's like, sorry, we already no, found someone for the yeah. job. Thank yeah. you for your interest. Yeah. No, it's all good. But then, yeah, I probably could have. Well, I, I feel like... But we'll have another chance to rage, dude. I got to rage with you guys once on stage. We did. Now, this is something cool. This is something I take as a point of pride. Now, I'm not saying that we were necessarily... <laughs> you know, there's a lot of complicated factors and a lot that went into it. Yeah. But we like to think that we were the catalyst for the Speedwolf reunion. I think so. I mean, that was uh, that was a weird. I mean, it was a weird time. There was really no real reason why we probably should have broken up. It was just like uh, it basically came down to me. Uh, my my when my dad passed, it was just like a whole different world change. You know? Well, yeah. I mean, like, you had you had a string of a lot of things that yeah, happened. Yeah, I was at once. in trouble and had like probation, so I couldn't tour as much because they would screwed me around for a while just life happened yeah and like when my dad stuff happened it was like in the middle of that still so i was just like hosed you know and that was the only thing i kind of could take a time out but then they just wanted to go without it you know without right me. and i tried to line up a drummer even to like fill in for some tour dates and then no one showed up to practice and it fell through and then those dudes don't talk as much you know so it's still like it was kind of a tenuous situation to begin with and yeah, just and a to lot get, of things kind of came up and yeah and eroded away at the yeah, everyone had yeah. other stuff going on. Reed had, you know, uh, Poison Rights. Poison yeah, Poison Rights was going on. We got to play with them. That was So a lot fun. of other stuff happened, you know, like where just we weren't on the same page. You know, I had the kid. Which happens. Blah, you know, all this stuff. But, yeah, uh, getting back on stage, was that was like the first time we even really saw each other in quite a while. That, at your jam studio at Rocket Space. Yeah. We saw that. that was like the first time we saw each other in a couple of years. That was so cool to be a part of. And and the way we looked at it is we were like, like you you two had started talking, and we had kind of been tossing around this idea of you guys getting up and doing a song together and 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 making it into a fun thing and yeah and it it just the things just kind of aligned yeah it's, it was it kind of happened like uh 
Lemmy died, you know, that was another thing too. Like when he died, it all kind of changed stuff. And we're like, man, I was like, dude, are we going to just like, we're alive, you know, like, are we just going to like sit there and be like, oh, it would have been cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, it would have been cool. But now we're I'm not calling him. He's he's got to call me. Yeah. But like, and also like uh, the original guitar player when I was in the band with Havoc, he's he's dead. And the guitar player I was in a band called Toward Flesh, he's dead too. Yeah. And it was like all that. And then we're like, and all of us are alive and we're not even talking to each other. And that's like the biggest thing is like our band meant so much to people. Right. And people have told me that. And it was like, we're, it's bigger than just us people. Right. And I wish we could. And do, it's worth it. Yeah. I wish we could just do more stuff because it was so, it, it was so fun. It was really, it was really rewarding to be part of you guys jamming together again. Yeah. Because it was like sometimes. It when when there's a tense situation, you just need to get motherfuckers in the same room. Yeah, that that vibe of jamming and smiling, just to I mean, just to play like Motorhead. That was one of the coolest things. Just to have that vibe of that was amazing. Yeah, it mm. was it, it was uh, it was the Nashville Pussy Show, right? Uh, what was it? The Nashville Pussy Show? No, I think show? it was Poison Rights and you guys at the yeah two. with Nashville Pussy. Oh, maybe it was. Yeah, that's exactly what it was because Reed was already there doing yeah. the Poison Rights stuff. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, at the very end of the show, we brought yeah, we brought Richie up and brought up Reed up bass pedal. Yeah, and did <laughs> Excuse me, did some fucking overkill, man. That was yeah. so that was so fun, and that was we shared a video of it when it was going on, and that made. Just seeing you guys on stage together made so many people so happy. Yeah. It was really like, and this is going to sound cheesy as hell, so just just give me the benefit of the doubt here. Fucking, you know that video of Bob Marley on stage, like unifying those two guys who were like like two warring political parties or something like that on stage? It made him shake hands on stage. Mm. I had that in my head the whole time I was thinking about getting you guys on stage together. Like, it wasn't I was, as glorious. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, <coughs> but it was still really hey cool. Hey, man, I mean, it probably really saved cool. the lives of tens of thousands of people. I mean, it was it was definitely beneficial to getting the wolf back together. Yeah. I just did it recently oh. with Chris, too. He, oh, you guys have gotten together to jam? He came up and put on a ski mask and played with Axlash when we played Denver 666 together. Oh, no. So See? It was kind of weird. It was uh, We had a fill-in. Steve Goldberg played guitar with us instead of Steve and Jackson. <coughs> we had Alex and me and Justin, Joey and Chris, all three guitar attack. That's fucking cool. On uh, Denver 666. was pretty cool. Dude, Steve is, like, one of the most accomplished guitar players I know. Yeah, he and he's such a fast learner. When we took when we took him on tour when Parker couldn't go, yeah. He effortlessly learned our material. I know. He made us look dumb. He was like, that's not how it goes. And I was like, that's how we play live. He's like, well that's not how it goes. That's, you're, wrong. you're wrong. That's a really good goal. And I was like, I don't know <laughs> But he was like, you're straight wrong. He even told me that live he's like, well you missed a couple pe- beats, but that's whatever. I followed along. <laughs> It's like thanks, buddy. I thought I was really good, man. I thought we crushed it. No, he he. <laughs> it's crazy. He's got that like um, that video gamer's mind. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just oh, man, like this so, ability yeah. for pattern recognition and memorizing patterns and yeah. things like that. He can. He's so good. He has such like is just so good at at structuring out guitar lines, man. Yeah, he's so super smart at yeah. everything, especially yeah. with music. Like everything he does, music wise, is super smart. He did I a great just, job on our album, man. Yeah, I just got Fantastic to hang out with job him. on our album. It was me, him, and one other sound guy named uh, 
Kiss, we all went to see Slayer in Albuquerque. Yeah, I, I, I saw, saw a picture of that. That looked really fun, man. It was kind of cool hanging out with those guys because, I mean, everybody knows Steve. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Steve knows everybody. We, yeah. We did that tour with him, and, uh, like, every time we were— Every city every, we went to. Every, every time we saw a tour bus, he would walk mm-hmm. up to it and know the people on it. Yeah, it was insane. It's in crazy. Germany. That, He'd be like, oh, I think that's Cannibal Corpse's people, and yeah. I think that that's fucking, uh, yeah, that's, who we that's Crowbar's people. And I, that's, he just, every town we went to, there was some big metal show happening down the street mm-hmm. where he knew everybody there, and we would go to the shows and, and hang out. Yeah, that's it was incredible. It was, sure. it was awesome. <laughs> we saw, on that tour, we saw Crowbar, we saw Cannibal Corpse, we saw Napalm Sepultura, Death. Yeah. Napalm Death, um... Did we see Napalm Death? I'm pretty sure. No, no, no. It, we saw Sepultura, Nuclear Assault, uh, Biohazard, like all just yeah. from Steve walking us into shows. Yeah, that's how it was on this one. We hung out on Campbell Corpse bus. It was pretty cool. We were talking Broncos with Corpse Grinder. <laughs> Corpse Grinder! It was dude, pretty awesome, dude. Corpse Grinder is fucking great, by the way. I totally fanboyed out on him. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Hey. It's like, I mean, we talked about Broncos, well, not really like him as Campbell. We were talking, we were like nerd and Bronco talk. The strongest neck muscles in all of metal, dude. Yeah, he was really cool. I mean, he was really nice to me. I was wearing a possessed shirt, and he was like, you can hang out on my bus. I like your T-shirt. But, you know. <laughs> I like your T-shirt. When we saw him in uh, in Berlin, he's he comes out, you know, and he's got the... He's got the mic clutched with yeah. his, you know, bicep flexed and huge neck, and he's just like, he's like, how many, uh, <laughs> how many of you think you can headbang faster than me? <laughs> and like people are like, yeah, we done. He's like, fucking doubt it. He's so. He's funny. like, you ready? And they yeah. start doing a song and just, dude. Yeah. He's a super like kind heart, sweetheart, but he's like the most brutal metal dude I've ever seen <laughs> yeah. in my life. Like I didn't, I don't think I've ever seen him sit down even. Like every time I see him, he's standing up, <laughs> just like talking. Hard about something cool, you know. It's like it's always something positive. I took my kids to this petting zoo. Yeah, they're the cutest, fluffiest ducks I've ever seen in my yeah. life. He loves to do the claw games and shit. So like, if you go to anywhere that has a claw games, he will spend money on that <laughs> <laughs> to get like soft, cuddly things. <laughs> Corpse Carter. <laughs> yeah, I've had a, yeah. Well, one, one, one thing that we did talk about, speaking about uh, getting the opportunity to play together, is we talked about the family band. Yeah, that's right, dude. We talked about the Howell Tice family band. Raising them right. Yeah. I go, so we took, uh, we took Ransom up to uh, Richie and Desiree's place up in, in Bailey, and Sarah gives Ram over to, over to Richie, and Uncle Richie's holding him and looking down at him, and he's like... He, like, grabs his hand and starts, like, trying to keep a beat with him and stuff like that. And then he looks at me and goes, you're going to be a drummer, kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's got talent already. He's got it. <laughs> Dude, it's because we dance. Yeah. He and I dance every <laughs> single day. Yeah. Like, every morning. So, like, you know, he wakes up so much that I'm able to get an okay night's sleep. But Sarah's going to wake up every time that he wakes up. Mm-hmm. So, generally... For two to three hours in the morning, I will get up before her and take him out of the room so she can get at least a few hours of uninterrupted sleep, right? Mm -hmm. And whenever that's going on, I generally put on some band that I want to introduce him to. I'm like, okay, today we're going to listen to the Beatles. Today we're going to listen to Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. Today we're going to listen to Pink Floyd. Today we're going to listen to James Brown. And I'll put something on and kind of, you know... 
make a pot of coffee, do my journal, start working on some songs that, you know, Tony and I have coming up. And I just bounce him in this sling that I've got. So like I'm working, I'm working dancing into his daily life so that he will get the, the sense of rhythm that I never had until I got a little bit older. Yeah. You know, so do you have, do you have Cyrus on, I know he's got the piano in his room, but he kind of just yeah. jumps on the keys. Yeah. He's a wild, he's a wild man. Right <laughs> he's now. a crazy man. Yeah. He likes outdoors. I mean, he, uh, he's got a fascination with guitars, but like he is afraid to touch one yet. Like he just like looks at it like it's like the coolest thing ever and always talks about guitar, but won't, doesn't want to strum it yet. Doesn't right. Touch right. It. Yeah. He'll hit all the drums and do all that stuff like a crazy, just crazy style guy. But I remember when he was probably a year old. I think it's probably a year old. There's a picture from over at your mom's house where I was playing acoustic guitar for him, and he was getting up and he was doing the grabbing onto the strings and stuff like that. You yeah. know, so I what I plan to do is just get a hold of a bunch of junk instruments and just leave them in the room mm-hmm. so he can kind of just fuck around with whatever he wants. Yeah. But I'm not going to force it to him. I've made that yeah. commitment. Yeah, but I got, a, I got a 12 string that he can do that with too. So family band would be pretty sweet. It would be cool. I actually like. I'm not gonna lie, dude. I probably fascinate about the family band more than I probably should. <laughs> yeah, no, I got super emotional and like got teary eyed when I saw it on stage because one of my like biggest heroes, named Zetro, he's a singer of Exodus. He's right. got two sons and they both play in a thrash metal band. You told I, me about that. Yeah. I saw them play a show and they started covering an Exodus song. And all of a sudden, his dad just walks out, and I was like, <laughs> I was like "How cool to be to jam with your kids, man!" And like, I looked around, I was like, "All these little kids, I mean, you guys." Don't get so it. on that Monsters of Rock cruise, so many of the guys in the bands, like an added benefit of them doing the cruise is they get to bring their families, and it's like a vacation yeah. thing. And these are all guys my dad's age and around the same age in bands. Yeah. So you've got these rock stars that are there with their families hanging out and shit. Yeah. And uh, Armored Saint, uh, John Joseph, not John Joseph, John Bush brought out his fucking son to yeah. play some Armored Saint songs with him. Pretty sweet. That was really, really very cool to see. Yeah, that stuff's cool. I love all that stuff. I've tried, like, I've tried to think of what the configuration would be, though. Like, I feel like unless one of the boys or Opal is better at the dr- at better at the drums, you're going to have to play drums. That's fine. But I also thought that maybe instead of being the singer, because that'd be kind of weird to have the kid band with the, like, by that point, 60-year-old man fucking <laughs> singing, you know what I mean? Worked at School of Rock. Be like, be like <laughs> did he buy those children? Yeah. <laughs> Who are these little kids? Yeah, yeah. I, so <laughs> by that point, I, it, it might not... It would probably the band would probably succeed more if one of the kids was the singer. So I'm thinking maybe what I can be is be like the Peter Grant of the band, like be the be the hard ass manager that like shows up to negotiation meetings in the in the counting room like with a with, baseball bat. with a re- baseball bat or revolver or something. You're saying I'd be like the Mick Fleetwood, just like the guy who can't hear anything. He just like has like the best gigantic drum kit ever. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. <of> gold. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. I'm in. Yeah. Already sign me up. Are you guys, uh, I've asked you, Tony, are you and Laura planning on doing like any type of family band type of stuff? With if you can help it? Wow. Just, to, I mean. Come on, make us a percussion player. 
Yeah. Man, yeah. I fucking, <laughs> right. I fucking make us it. a singer. <laughs> no, I, I, if I can have a kid that would play drums, that would be that would be best. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, I think either a drummer or a bass player or a keyboard player. Yeah. What I really want to do is, like I said, not push it, but... We'll get Opal on vocals and keys, and we'll get Cyrus to either do bass or drums, and then we're set, dude. Yeah, there we go. Bye-bye, Tony. Oh. No, you can play guitar. All right. We got a bass player. No, no, no. See, I'm going to send I'm gonna send Ransom to go live with you in, like, a Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey style, like, <laughs> like good thing we did that extensive yeah. or that intensive six months of playing with come back Eddie Van hairy. Halen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> come back with, like, a big old long beard and then play the beginning of God Played Rock and or Gave Rock and Roll to you. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, we totally got good. <laughs> Maybe we should get good. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna send uh, I'm gonna send Ram to go live with uh, Tio Tony for about yeah. six months, and Car you're gonna months. quit everything that you're doing. Six months, wasn't it? Carlin, didn't he go live with Carlin? George Carlin? No, no, no. He, <laughs> Rufus. I think I think Rufus probably brokered the deal. Yeah. But they went. I, I think they went to do extensive guitar training with Eddie Van Halen. Well, I hope we find out in number three. Is <laughs> That's good. coming. Mm-hmm. Dude. Well, did you know that was the last thing Dime and Vinny said to each other on stage? That was their thing that they said to each other on stage. Van Halen. And then started playing. That was the last thing. Because yeah, that, that meant, like, let's rock or whatever. <laughs> Van Halen. That was the last thing they looked at each other and said. Boom. Van Halen. Damn. Pretty cool shit, dude. Oh, man. That is pretty cool. Rock out to Van Halen. Last words, Van Halen. Pretty cool. So, um, so, oh yeah, uh, on the subject of Bill and Ted Three, by the way, <laughs> Van Halen. Have you know the Wild Side? Have you seen the uh, Have you seen the promo that they've been running for it? Yeah. Alex Winter looks fucking rough, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like it looks like he really needs this. Like oh, yeah. Ke- he needs Ke- Keanu Reeves, badly. he needs it very badly. Dude, Keanu, he's like, he's like, come on, Keanu, I've been on like Law and Order once. Help me out. Yeah, he's dude, he looks. Come on, Matrix. And, he's been writing and directing ever since. Writing and directing what? I don't know. Fucking check out his IMDb. It's a bunch. There's a whole bunch. Writing of and directing little, little fan. Well, he's been working behind the camera without makeup and yeah, without, getting old. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just like, like, and but Keanu still like looks like Neo. Yeah. The well, one, he had to be you know? John Wick three times in a row. Yeah, yeah. you you, you have to be to, kept pretty. Yeah, there I was wonder a if team they, for that they keep him. In, yeah, <laughs> they keep him in a cryo chamber to keep him from aging. Keanu, you have to eat your kale. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to eat my kale. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I wanted to circle back around to this because we we had talked about it at the top of the show, but um. So, you and you and Desiree had Cy- Cyrus is about to be three years old, yeah. right? Yeah, May thirty first. May thirty first. So, so you guys, you know, for all intents and purposes, became parents when she got pregnant. So, like a, a year before, that's so about four years ago. It's mm-hmm. been about four years since you guys yeah. started. You know, what what Sarah and I are on now, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And. Um, and it's been interesting because you guys have kind of been like that four years up ahead on the trail for us. So we've gotten to kind of watch you guys going through all the things that you've gone to. And it's been a ton of fun. And like, like Cyrus is a blast and Opal's a blast. Like that is the happiest baby I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, she rules. And I have never met a character like 
Cyrus. That that kid is a blast. He's yeah, a ball. He's a lunatic. So what would you say is it for dealing with boys especially? What would you say is the 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 number one like if we're walking on the same trail? What is like the the pitfall along the trail that you would warn me about? Like what is what is the the gnarliest thing I have to look out for on the on the road ahead? Mm. Man, I don't probably haven't even hit some of the gnarliest stuff because probably trail well, hasn't, hasn't the, been too bad. Well, in the three years, yeah. The, the 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 gnarliest thing you've encountered in the first three years of of life with this human being. Um, his is just his attitude, like yelling and hitting. He likes to yell and hit back, and like. And he's at that age yeah. for it. Yeah. That's what I mean. There's probably still other stuff he does, but like right now he likes to scream and like hit when he doesn't get his way or like try to bite or something. If I right. pick him up, like, you know, he's, he's made what me do you bleed. Do? Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's the thing, man. Yeah, like, like it's been outside and he just screaming and I'm trying to carry him cause I've already tried to reason with him. And then that just leads to be like, well, I'm going to pick you up then. And he just bites me and I, I mean, I've yelled, you know, or pinched him. That doesn't really work. Dude, and they give him that, like, cute little name. They're like, oh, the terrible twos. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. you know. They'd... That's been the hardest part. So, yeah. Uh, and he's still just, like, getting into it. Like, he's. Right. Because, I, I mean, it should... goes on a lot longer than yeah, just, the, sure, like, the, yeah. the age two. You know, yeah. like, it, it. it's like a few years when, yeah. you know, if you ever. You ever see a movie or read a book or or watch a TV show that is like about the the lifelong journey about a character and there's the scene where it shows them as a little baby when they first get like you see like Clash of the Titans yeah. and there's like the little teeny baby Perseus arrives and and they take him in and then the next scene is like him at like 17, 18, 19, yeah. 20 years old. All the years of it's, between are hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to watch a movie yeah. about the stuff that's in between because it would just be too damn sad. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's just hard. I'm more I'm more scared about Opal, though, because I remember just I mean, just girls and dads. I just hope she doesn't ever hate me. <laughs> you know, like the weird dad with long hair and metal shirts. I just, you know, she's going to be like, you suck. <laughs> I doubt it. She's going to think, dude, she's going to think you're so cool, man. I hope so. Now, she there does will right be a, now. There she will be now. a period of time where she does not. Yeah. But most of her life, yeah. most of her life, she's going to think you're awesome. Yeah. It'll probably be four to five to maybe six years that she thinks you're an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> At worst. You might get lucky, yeah. though. My I hope si- so. Like, my sister, because my brother and I were such bastards, <laughs> my sister went out of her way to be extra nice and, and helpful. Yeah. And, you know, now she's got... Two master's degrees, and she is a teacher and perfect. singing in a choir. Well, and, perfect. And uh, kind of. And married, <laughs> married, you know, this amazing dude and mm-hmm. and adopted his two teenage kids and all this stuff. Like, she, you know, my sister really, like, never went through a period of time where she was nasty to my dad. Mm-hmm. She maybe had some, like, emotional outbursts. But she always loved and respected my dad because my dad was loving and respectful to her. And I know you as a man. And you are going – you will always be loving and respectful to your kids. Yeah, most definitely. So I hope that never – yeah, that will never change on my part. I just hope she always 
Yeah, teenagers are going to be tough. I know that. Dude, they, well, the other thing is, is that, sorry yeah. to any teenagers who are listening to the show, but Punks, teenagers yeah, are fucking right. <laughs> they're, oh, they're not listening to this. Yeah. Oh, we just lost that. <laughs> we just lost that demo, man. Bunch of that bouncing souls demo. Yeah, but they, they don't have as much disposable income anyway. We want that 25 <laughs> to 54. That's the key right there. <laughs> I'm curious as to what what Ransom is going to be like when he gets yeah. to that two to three year old age, and and they one thing that you don't get a lot of information about is you hear like, well, don't beat him up, yeah, and you can't really reason with them, yeah, and then not much else, yeah. It's just like, oh, there's going to be a period of time where your kids are fucking maniacs, and you're yeah. going to have to just. Kind of, you're just going to have to kind of do your best. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it changes with every generation. It's definitely, uh, I mean, we didn't have a whole lot uh, help, especially because we do live kind of far away. So, it was, uh, you know, we kind of just were on our own, you know, yeah. for a lot of the beginning stuff. And still even now, it's like I probably even, like, showed him Batman too early. You know what I mean? Like, there's probably things that I did to, like, already make him inherently aggressive, you know? <laughs> So, but you know, there's like, but you guys are all so fun. Yeah, and you it's have like, fun music going all yeah. day, and he is fun. Yeah, and he's a uh, he's a super smart kid. He's you know, and yeah, he's got he's got a ton of energy, and he's willful. Yeah, he's like but a he's pit fun. <laughs> but he's well, partially because he's raised yeah. by pit bulls. Yeah, he's man. just like a big muscle. Like you have to work him out, and you have to just like let him. Like he runs until he falls asleep, basically, and then he gets up running. I remember <laughs> when when he first started walking, like when he was when he was a little guy and he first started walking. Sarah would show me these videos, and Richie and Desiree had gotten Cyrus these weighted, basically baby medicine balls. Mm-hmm. They were like little tiny, tiny baby medicine balls, and there'd two be pounds. these video. How much are they? Two pounds. Eh? So two pound these like two pound like soft shot puts for kids, right? Okay. And there'd be these videos of Cyrus just grabbing them, like reaching down and grabbing them and picking them up on his shoulder and throwing them as far as he could, just like <laughs> gr- like mm-hmm. this is like when he first started walking, yeah, like, and he'd just get up and he'd be grunting and be grabbing them and just. Yeah. Uh, that before and then a year old, yeah. This yeah. is before a year old. Yeah, yeah. And he would like, so then he has to walk, you know, the two feet, to, not even two feet, yeah. the foot, yeah. the foot that he's able to throw the thing, walks up and he reaches down and grunts and picks it up and just does it over and over again. Six months after that, we're seeing it's videos of muscles. him. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude. He's, dude, he's going to be a pro wrestler. Dude, one of these days he's going to be a pro wrestler. And he's growing up in the mountains in Colorado. Yeah, he, I mean, he he has a climbing wall. I made an eight-foot climbing wall. Dude, that wall was like six door. months later he had a climbing wall. Yeah, he's crushing it. Yeah. He does everything. I mean, he broke the TV already because he hawked something at it. <laughs> but, like, he's a, he's a madman. He's got an arm. He's definitely got an arm. Dude, you should see Richie and Desiree's house. It is built for... Like a future yeah. pro wrestler, two-year-old child, man, yeah, it's we great. Got a rope swing and a rope ladder, and there's a big hammock in it. Like I tried to make <laughs> hanging from the yet. ceiling. These are all things that are hanging from the <clears throat> ceiling in the living room. Well, it was really hard to, and during the winter, like it, you know, when we. What are you going to do in Bailey in the middle? Yeah, of he winter? likes to play with the snow, but his his hands and stuff were just getting so frozen that he would start freaking out. And I had to like carry him in, and he'd be shivering. I put him by the fire, you know. But he just wanted to play with the snow. Um, 
So I tried to always come up with stuff to do in the house. Just right. crazy activities like where are we gonna do Dude, run this kid out. Like, it looks like it looks like an ape enclosure yeah. at the fucking zoo. <laughs> That's dude. what I'm picturing in my head. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, he climbs the ladders and like wants to jump <laughs> off everything. He's climbing on top of the piano. He was, he was, it was, it was a lunatic. I was trying to make like an inside jungle gym for that kid to just wear him out. That's Dude, cool. I'm, I'm looking at the way that your house is arranged, and I'm that's over. And that's why cool. I wanted to ask you about that stuff. Is I'm looking at the way it's arranged, and Ransom is built a lot like your side of the family. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's a chunky, yeah. bulky Stout, baby. Yeah. So he's, it's <laughs> freak, very likely freak baby muscles. And I told Sarah, I'm like. I'm like, I, I kind of hope he's, you know, like built like, you know, Cyrus and Richie to where he's just like kind of like a bulky, strong dude. You know what I mean? Like yeah. fucking caveman. Yeah. And uh, so there's a very good there's a very good chance that we're going to have to like model some of the things that you guys yeah. are doing. And it's seriously like like if you look at the ape enclosure at the Denver Zoo it almost looks like a cross section of the Tice living room. I see. Yeah. With less hay, though, right? I hope. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's there's still plant life. <laughs> there's a little hay. There's still plant life. There's like ficuses and yeah. cacti and yeah. all sorts of a crazy of stuff. Yeah, a lot of plants that survived. Yeah. The destroying little baby years. Yeah. He's good with babies, though. He's Yo, really Cyrus? good with. Yeah. yeah. He was. He was really good with ransom. Yeah. He's good with opal. He really you know. Good. He's mellow. He's a. He, I mean, he's mellow with little kids, but, yeah. dude. With adults, he's like, let's fucking yeah. party. That's what he does with my mom. Uh, when my mom comes over, he goes, fight each other. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, why do you want to fight grandma? Because he's like, he makes my mom put on like a superhero cape and they just start like running around and being nuts. I'm like, my mom, you got to take it easy. You got like knee surgery. And she's like, it's been fine. She's like limping around on the couch, chasing my son, wearing a superhero mask. <laughs> I go I was like, you're going to you're gonna have a hard time when these kids are both like, where, like I got three kids now in between she's going to be watching. Watching, oh, getting just trampled all the time. I know. <laughs> Fight each other. <laughs> I know. It's and, and I'm just like imagining a couple years from now when Cyrus is a couple years older than Ransom and he's talking Ransom into yeah. doing crazy shit. Yeah. Like, Jump. like oh, yeah. oh, we're going up to Uncle Richie's place and yeah. we're going to go exploring where the yeah. fucking the rundown yeah, uh, abandoned tra- trailer is down there. Yeah. 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 There's going to be. We're going to be lucky if we don't see our kids get yeah. their fingers blown off yeah. down there, man. I have this bell. <laughs> <laughs> if they're in trouble, they're going to ring it. That's right. You guys you guys have a dinner bell outside. Yeah, they have, they have how, like the big yeah. the big iron triangle outside of the house to like ring and bring the kids in. Yeah, my dad used to call me. If you can't hear this bell, you've gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'd be like, oh, who's that? Oh, fuck, I think I heard the bell, and I, you know, he knows how long it takes to run or whatever from the bottom of the hill. <laughs> He's timing. He's got the times written down. You man. were not at the corner. <laughs> it took you five minutes, not three. <laughs> I swear I was at the corner. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, la- last time I went over to your place, uh, one of one of Cyrus's <clears throat> favorite things to do is stomp on the keys of the piano yeah. and then climb up on top of the upright piano and jump from the piano to his bed, yeah, which is super dangerous because <laughs> yes, you know. So so the the rule is grandma's got to be there for that, right? Like she's yeah. got to help him 
Like he's got to jump to her first. Yeah, she likes it that way. I definitely remember doing that shit as a mm-hmm. very young child, jumping on pianos. Like I said, I showed him Batman too early. <laughs> Dude. Because he thinks he can fly. I mean, he's wearing a cape during all this stuff. That's where he kind of <laughs> likes to get, like, a little more aggressive. You know, he fights and stuff, but... You know. Your mom's got some cojones, dude. Yeah. It's it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, it's crazy. A Wonder Woman for sure. So I don't know how she does it. She's she's a tough she lady. She turns sixty when Opal was born, right? So the same day, sixty years apart. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. She, because we had that surprise party yeah. on the day that Opal yeah. was born over at uh over at Langer. That yeah, was cool, man. Which is wild stuff. Because now she's taking basically she has like three grandbabies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One's almost three. Oh, she's stoked. She was uh, speaking of showing kids stuff too early. When I when I told her that we were uh, watching like the only TV we were watching was Game of Thrones, she's like, "Don't watch that with my grandson yeah. in the room." And I'm like, yeah. "Ah, he doesn't know what's going on. Come on." Yeah, my mom didn't want my dad to show me. Uh, he took me to see Braveheart in the, in the movie <laughs> nice. theater. You took him to see what? That's a good one. <laughs> it was awesome. I. <laughs> It was it was weird the stuff that I wasn't allowed to watch and the stuff that I was allowed to watch. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I wasn't allowed to watch Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. but or The Simpsons. But mm-hmm. I was allowed to watch any western you can think of. You know, I eventually was able to watch pretty much any Arnold Schwarzenegger movie you can think of. Yeah, I, I, that's all you need. You yeah. know, yeah. but then but then you just got to have a friend who's got who's got more yeah. relaxed parents. Well, I got banned from watching Terminator and. Ninja Turtles because I kicked my dad in the knee and like made him go on a cane for a while. (laughs) (laughs) He thought it was. He always blamed something else. Like when I was in trouble in school, it was because the damn metal music and like cut my patches off my (laughs) vests and stuff. You know, or like your stupid posters on your wall. (laughs) Yeah, at my house it was always the kids up the street. Yeah, like I was it the was, neighbor kid too. Yeah, yeah, it was like it was like I don't so, want you hanging out with those kids. They're a bad influence. It was yeah. more of that type of thing. You know yeah. what I mean? There was my parents were pretty chill about the music thing, but they didn't want like they didn't want video games in our house. They were pretty anti The Simpsons and they were anti like slasher movies. Yeah, but I saw that's like exactly what I grew up on. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I mean, yeah. dude, I watched I watched RoboCop at fucking Marshall's birthday party. You yeah. know. And and watch Nightmare on Elm Street at the fucking kid up the streets house. Yeah, I mean that stuff wasn't too big. I mean I remember watching a lot of stuff. Like parents didn't really care. I guess it was like whatever. They're watching a movie. Yeah. You know, and it was just like, leave them alone. Let them yeah, do like, their. Do thing. they know what they're really watching? You know, or like did they really care? Like no, some horror movie called Pet Cemetery. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they were downstairs at like seven. Me like, oh my god. I remember being very young watching Child's Play. Yeah, my sisters. Yeah, I got traumatized and couldn't stay at. Uh, house, I think. Dude, I, I was talking <laughs> to your sister about, I was talking to Sarah about this, and like, I I asked, she told me about the child's play thing, how like, yeah. child's play totally ruined her and whatnot, yeah. and I'm like, Exorcist I'm like, me. do you think that's like, when you came online as like, a, a creepy chick? <laughs> like, I'm like, is that like, <laughs> is that Wednesday like, Adams. I don't know. yeah, Tony calls yeah. her a little Wednesday Adams, you know yeah. what I mean? And, she uh, wasn't always like that. Dude, and, well, but what I was telling Sarah is I was like, I get it. I was talking about you, actually, in particular, Tony. I was like, I get a big kick out of telling my Midwesterner friends like Laura and Nini and Tony, 
you know, that we went and hung out at the cemetery or that, that weird, or though. that Sarah's got a jar yeah. of gallstones or that's that, weird. you know, mm-hmm. having the Ouija <laughs> board thing. Having you know the Ouija like, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that yeah. you guys do that's like, yeah, that's cool. And, and it's different than, that, than stuff that I do, but I don't think yeah. it's like weird. And then there's stuff that's weird. I, I get yeah, it. I get the, a the collection, collection of stuff. Of weird. That's probably Desiree's deal, though. Because <laughs> that kind of started when she had the weird collection of stuff, too. See, I don't think th- I don't it's think cool. of Sarah That's as weird. a I don't think of her as being like creepy or scary. Yeah. I think of her as more nerdy. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the yeah. field that she's in, like the area of the medical field that she's in, yeah. you know, um, which who knows if if she'll keep doing it or but she'll almost definitely go to something that is equally as yeah. unusual. Yeah, it's like the oddities basically. They are my like my wife and my sister are basically like oddities people like that's where they yeah circuit is what they they're curios enthusiasts yeah all like the coolest weirdest stuff like oh wow that's like a three-headed ducks yeah they're fat it's like whoa cool sarah sarah (laughs) turns me on to all the weird um instagram channels like uh uh, nature is metal have you seen that fucking page it's all just animals fucking each other up it's It's insane i gotta get (laughs) on the instagrams every single one of them it has the like uh sensitive content warning at the beginning you know when the, when you see the real good stuff on Instagram and it's like sensitive content, please tap to to view it or whatever. Everything on that page is like that because it's all just mm. sick, gnarly nature yeah, videos. It's cool. Though. But I t- I told Sarah I told Sarah I was like I like I kind of like getting a reaction out of you guys when I tell them about stuff. Yeah, because, I can tell. Well, because to m- and she's like, oh, I know you just like the reaction. I go, no, no, no. It's not just about the reaction. It's the fact that I'm trying to normalize it in people's heads that it's like, it's not like we're some weird, you know, spooky goth couple. No. It's that. It's not that at all. We just. She just, got, she just has a really funny collection. Well, and yeah. she's she's a she's a dork and for every, every, dark Every time stuff. she tells me about some of the stuff. A dork <laughs> for darkness. It probably actually started with my dad because that's, I mean, uh, he took us to those rendezvous. That was like the pre-1840s. Everything was like we had teepee. We had but your dad was hives. a bit of an intellectual too, yeah, wasn't well, he? Yeah. We were Native American. My grandfather was half and he they were very into it we were they were born on a reservation back in buffalo and stuff so they were very right. in touch with the native american side so my dad got like a teepee and we had to do all that stuff where we would go camp for like a whole week at these like big giant like i don't know outside festivals basically where right. they had like food and everybody um like rain dances and shit like that yeah the they whole have, nine like yeah. you know Cool. A guy hit a deer on the way in and brought it in, and we had like a he fed everybody like a big stu- everyone brought something to the a big pot, and we all had like this venison pot roast. So you grew everything. up with a lot of spiritualism and animism, yeah, and, and like and animals, shamanism being like yeah. like very prevalent in your upbringing. Yeah, my dad did a lot of stuff with feathers and bones and animal skins and skulls and teepees, and I mean we're. Gonna set up a teepee on the fourteenth of May here at the, up at the house. That That's t- really t- cool, t- man. Yeah, my dad's old teepee, so I, I you cool. know, we're gonna try to have some baby photos in there someday. Tony, did I tell you about the Hayoka thing? Hey, no. Uh, so, and I'm and so what? What tribe is your is your family from? Uh, Iroquois, Seneca I- Nation. Iroquois, okay, right. And they're uh, your family's from the Zor Valley, right? Yeah, yeah, Buffalo up in the. Uh, Blaisdell Buffalo area. Yep. So um, I met this uh, I met this Lakota dude at um, at the Dink Comic Con, mm-hmm. and he was telling me about this like tribal designation of people called the Hayoka, and basically the Hayoka like their whole job in the tribal structure is to be like 
like it it almost translates to sacred clown. Mm-hmm. Like basically their whole job in in the tribal system is to be the like happy contrarian man. and sa- happy man is another one that they like talk about in like mm-hmm. like uh Amazonian kind of like like deep jungle isolated tribes and stuff like that. They'll have like a happy man or something like mm-hmm. that. Where like their whole job in the group is to just be um, is is to be an entertainer, a contrarian, a, a, a satirist. Mm-hmm. And this guy came and saw us play at the Dink Comic Con. He starts talking to me about um, starts talking to me about the 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 situation with the the massacre down in New Zealand, mm-hmm. uh, at Christchurch, and um, he starts talking about how the uh, the the Maori people down there. Like all the like Maori shaman have are like giving this call out to all the Hayoka or happy men or or shaman or whatever this person ends up being or you know the community celebrants in these different tribes. He's like they're like calling on all the Hayoka of the world to like come together and try and fix the world because of like this crazy stuff that's going on. Yeah, and I just. And th- this guy and I got to talking about it, and I got to talking about kind of like what the shamanistic role of a band is, like of what an entertainer is, of like what being a drummer in a band or being a guitarist in a band or being a songwriter or whatever. It's it's like we are kind of part of that designation in a way, you know, where we're kind of these people within the tribe, within the community who are responsible for lifting the spirits of the people in our community so that the world's overall spirits have been lifted a lot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Did, now, how how do you feel about your role as as a musician in that context like like incorporating some of your the the spiritual upbringing that you had and some of the some of the things that maybe were around you growing up how do you think of your role as an entertainer as a as a drummer as a musician in that context i always just feel like i want to do more i almost feel trapped that i can't do more but i'm just scared to be up in the front <laughs> <laughs> but i would just want to give every, my everything it's to, do more what do you mean by do live more? like i that's that's kind of where i always give it you know like i always judge bands live it's always been kind of right studio you can kind of play with it but where where you can really see who's a real musician or real player it's, and who's phoning yeah, it yeah yeah just you know like right. you could tell if someone's got it if they can play live so i always you know, wanted to do that. That was like my big spiritualistic journey was if I could connect with people and make them like their energy would make me go crazier or like to see them just like, like really getting into it would make me, you know, that that's where I connect. See, see that there's a, there's a real time response and reaction to what you're doing. Yeah. That vibe, that live vibe of people always tripped me out, especially at Speedwell shows. It was a mat, just, I don't want to say magical, cheesy, but in a way, but it is it, magical. It really was like the the vibe of the connection and just how intense it was, dude. It, I mean, but there's so much shows. like like so much like good energy. There was not bad vibes. There was I never really saw fights like a whole lot of ever fights. There was always just like smiles. My my favorite are the shows where the people there are not <clears throat> embarrassed to be enthusiastic. Yeah, it seems like such a waste of time to go out 
to a show and stand at the back of the room with your arms crossed and and criticize or 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 put some sort of wall of disdain between or wall of like immediate contempt unless proven otherwise in front of this person who is really just trying to facilitate you having the best time of your life. Yeah. You know, and it's hard. Yeah. It's like a trendy, weird spot to be in a lot of the times because music is very, I mean, people's boxes are certain. You know, that's just how they see it. It's like, no, I don't like anything else. This. Only here to see this band. This is the I'm into this type of music and only this type of music. Yeah, it's it's hard to stretch people's minds sometimes, but then, you know, then maybe they'll like it, maybe they won't. And that's kind of thing that the fun part. I've actually, like, I've always entertained that part too. Is like where you see that guy that's just like looks bummed, and you just try to make that person smile. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you're like, that's eh, I fucking got you. You're having fun, <laughs> are you? You know, like I've I've enjoyed that part too. The 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 shows where the crowd is on the fence about you too. Mm-hmm. That's always that's especially rewarding is when you come into a place, and there's that in in initial you can see that twinge of discomfort in their face. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, Meh, but then you say something funny, or you do something cool, or you refuse to be, you, you refuse do to be self-conscious as a global base. That usually gets them. Yeah, that's usually <laughs> riles them right up. That gets them going, right? Dude, and it's, it's interesting you say that you've always <laughs> wanted to do more, because in any band we've seen you in, and, and we agree on this as a band, is you are the best part of any band that you're in. Yeah. It's always fun to watch. Like the, the the best part of the show is standing in one of the wings of the stage and just watching Richie play. Damn. Yeah, that definitely, especially Three Kings. You know, so you can walk on the oh yeah, that's right, right yeah. there. It's like yeah. that's a good the spot. spot. You know what? I'm 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 gonna put something out there. Mm-hmm. All right, and this is just this is just an idea. Since we're all going, since we're all going to be doing kind of correspondence projects in our own way, why don't we send some stuff to each other? Why don't we just, why don't we just do record something? And then if it turns out cool, maybe we'll play something live. It would always come out cool. I mean, yeah, you you ripping. That'd be, that'd be badass. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be badass. Easy. To um, I'm in. You know, and, and, and sold me at Tony. Who the fuck's Tony? Tony. <laughs> <laughs> and that that that's another thing you mentioned um, before about like, like seeing someone live is really the metric of what they're about. Yeah, I kind of feel like an album is really just so you have something to tide you over between yeah. the live experiences. It's like, I want to remind myself of the experience that I had going to see this band play. I want to yeah, be able yeah. to enjoy their art yeah. on my own at a deeper level at yeah. home. I always thought that was like, uh, you present your songs like the best they're ever going to be, like tip top, you know, note for note, on time, whatever you want to do. Most pristine you're ever going to hear these songs, this recording. If you want it to sound like that, put it on the fucking record. If you want to hear us live playing these songs the best we can play them without all the studio crap. Yeah, with all the flashing Then come stuff. see us live. I, but if you're like, like, you know, I don't like the click track thing live as much. Like, yeah. I don't, yeah, I want to see a band. Yeah, <laughs> I want to see, a, yeah, all that stuff. I'd rather see a band just give it to us as what they have. Go up and play it raw. My, fa- yeah. my favorite albums are all live albums anyway. Yeah, it's true. There's Which is weird, too, because now, I mean, I've heard some live albums and now not our live albums, and that's Yeah, me. doesn't that bum you out a little you know, bit? God damn, that record was good, but now it's like studio, man. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and there's... I really... What I really like, I, and, I, and I enjoy this quite a bit, is when you have a band whose recorded, produced material and live material sound totally yeah. different... But 
totally amazing in yeah. their own right. Like yeah. you, you develop a different appreciation for the different arrangements that they yeah. do yeah. in these live scenarios. Like it, another thing to take into consideration is when you're listening to an album, you are missing that visual element. Yeah. And so offsetting that with some enhanced production value isn't a bad thing. It's like they're only, con- you know, they're only uh, diving into this piece of music from an auditory perspective. Yeah. When you're at the show, you've got this kinesthetic element. You've got this visual element. You've got you've got the uh, uh, olfactory element even to a, a, a degree because you've got the smells and the tastes of, of having that kind of visceral experience. You and know, that's they a, should be yeah. different. And that's how I just experienced mu- uh, music. Well, that's how I learned how to play music. I mean, I learned to, to live records and I watched. I was a nerd, so I, I collected bootlegs basically. It was my big thing. I would go and download like <laughs> all these weird random shows, you know, like oh, cool, Judas Priest in '77, yeah. you know, wherever, yeah, and just download it and get all this stuff. And I would nerd out on or videos. I was, I have so many bootleg old right videos oh, yeah. where it was kind of to, to it. Yeah, and Sarah was telling me something about the first song you learned on drums was something by Metallica. What was it? Yeah, I mean, I used <laughs> it's kind of cheesy now, but I used to like put on shows like people would like my sister would have parties up there and I would she was like, "Oh, you got, you know, my brother's a drummer." And they like, "Oh, yeah, play something." You know, <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, you want to hear me just be like play some drum <laughs> shit." So I used to have this like stereo where I could have a set of headphones and it would still go the stereo would go through all the speakers, so I would just crank it so everyone had to listen. It was Binge and Purge by Metallica. <laughs> nice. There's two discs or whatever and I knew all of it. So like the whole show and it would be like the whole waiting part and they'd, you know, crowd would be cheering and stuff and right. everyone would be sitting in my band room waiting and I'd Count it off and play the whole Metallica record, and they'd all be sitting Get there. Get the fuck it, yeah. out of here! And then I did the Slayer Decadent Aggression. That was awesome. the second one. Yeah, like there's pictures of my sister looking at me, just like probably this close to the drum set. I'm just like bashing drums in her face. <laughs> yeah, man. That's I didn't. I didn't realize it was to that extent. That's really. Fun. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That's how. I, I mean, every live record. That's because you could hear the band playing. You could hear when they messed up. You could kind of hear the time change or whatever yeah. it wasn't always you know like oh you know they're not perfect they did you know right. that was kind of right. cleaned up in the studio you could tell like, right i got away with like you can kind of get away with different stuff live and you know the, yeah, the live yeah. it, like studying live stuff too it really mm-hmm. makes it seem less unobtainable yeah. you know you even look at a band like queen mm-hmm. who is amazing live mm-hmm. like you you watch uh, any of the like Live in Montreux or um, uh, what's the one they did in Canada? They didn't that, do anything on accident live. Yeah, but but even though you're like watching Queen playing live, you're able to differentiate the individual components of the ensemble. You're able to like listen to Freddie Mercury's voice and there is a finite number of notes within what he's doing and and the the piano part is a certain way and the the bass part is a certain way and all the backup vocals are are inter- interacting right before your eyes and there's less mystery kind of hidden in the mix yeah you know what i mean and and so even something that is by a band that is so amazing like that you can break it down into steps and you can like disassemble it and and break down its component parts and take a much more confident and educated stab at it. Yeah. You know, and and yeah, I I I didn't know that that's the way that you learn drums, but I'm like glad to know that now. I think that that's something that for 
the like like musicians who listen to this who are looking to step up their game could stand to you know take a few pages out of out of Richie's book because he's he, he's an exemplary performer an exemplary player for sure yeah it goes out to my dad I mean my dad totally hooked me up uh, I was a terrible student and was doing awful in school and was kicked out and he literally gave me a seat and a pair of sticks and said every time you get a good grade I'll give you another piece of your drum set Nice. So and then that's, I got a snare. That's, that's a that's good a deal. Good system. Yeah. I drove him nuts with a snare in the house, and he gave me a hi hat. <laughs> and then he was like, "I gotta give you the kick drum, so please get some good grades." Yeah. And then once I had the trifecta, he was like, "I'm moving you to the garage, kid." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I got the full kit, and then I went to a garage sale and bought another whole kit for hundred bucks and put them both together. <laughs> and it was like a blue kit, a red kit, and they were just like gigantic toms. It's like 10, 12, 10, 12, 16, 18, or something <laughs> like that, and two kicks. And I fucking played every Metallica lick I could find. Nice. And then turn into Slayer. Yeah. And then I saw Pantera and Slayer in like 2000 or whatever, and that like blew my mind. So if you want, if you want to get really, really good at anything, move up to the <laughs> mountains. Yeah. Go hide out in a fucking garage with whatever it is that you're trying to learn, and uh, don't do anything else yeah. for many, many years. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Jake and Chris did that. That's how me and Jake and Chris we were like we would play shows basically from high school in the garage up in the mountains. Right. We never had a singer. We would just, like, play. Just jam and get yeah. tight. And people, we actually used to have people come over and settle scores at from high school and box and fight each other at my house in my garage. <laughs> <laughs> Why you guys thrashed out? Yeah. No yeah, I have videos of it somewhere. There's a, there's a I forget his name offhand. It's going to kill me. Uh, but uh, <laughs> he lost a tooth in my garage one time. Holy we have that on shit. camera. But we used to just, like, literally rage out and play our songs. We did have a singer a couple times. And people would box, and it would, you know, it was a fun thing at first, like a jackass, like boxing gloves, and then people started hearing about it and being like, "I want to fight you at Richie's house after yeah, school." Yeah, let's go to the fight club at Richie's. Yeah. Well, like pe- they would get in trouble at school, and I mean, they were even like, "Well, I'm, you know, go to his house and fight." <laughs> at the school, they yeah, said that. They, they, uh, hey, wait, wait, <clears throat> save it for Richie's. We'll the, be there gambling yeah. on you, kids. Uh, the, the cops <laughs> at the time, I'm pretty sure knew about it because uh, I mean, we did have cops come over to the house, and I have a picture of one sitting behind my drum set <laughs> <laughs> somewhere. I'll find it. I'll find it and put it up there because it's a good one. I had there was like beer cans and shit on, on, the, on the drum set. <laughs> I'll find it. I'll find it and put it. up. <laughs> oh well, fuck, man. Yeah, uh, we had it was a wild time, you know. But me and Jake and Chris did that for years. That's why Speedwolf, I think, was so good. It was the three of us had a, such a good conne- tight. yeah. We had such a good connection. We knew what we were doing, and even still, that's why when we got back together, it was just like we didn't skip a beat. It was yeah, like, just it's all easy. in there. Yeah, it's like um, <clears throat> we've talked about the like blood harmony and uh, stage. Uh, stage telekinesis, stage telepathy type of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, That's a real thing. Yeah, it's a real thing. Yeah. Buck Owens used to talk about that with, uh, <coughs> God. Gordo, you know this. Who's the guitar player for Buck Owens? Who is Billy Buck Owens' Ocean. fucking lead guitar player? Billy Ocean. <laughs> it was Billy Ocean. <laughs> Billy Ocean. You play with someone long enough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, it, Ruck, Ruckus has that. Yeah, yeah. Where you develop, develop. It, it, it takes time, but yeah. you develop it over time. And 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 we come back to this a lot, but yeah, you guys have that. Well, I mean, you guys are very tight as a band. We well, the way we look at it is, as far as our pri- priorities go, and we've mentioned this before. It's like 
fun is number one. Like being cool is number one, and being able to play is number two. Yeah. And what has ended up happening for us is because it was okay that being good was number two. We were able to have a friendship and learn to play together and have these conditions where we got better because we enjoyed being around each other and playing music together. Yeah, that part is really the key is the, like the That's enjoyment. The if you can hang out in a van with somebody for yeah. hours on end. The enjoyment oh, yeah, of each other is probably like the best thing to have in a band. I don't know how bands do it with when they're listening. I don't like, know. Yeah. Or just show and play the gig, man. It's like, I don't know. How it's like, really? That, that you, doesn't sound fun had, at all. If you had a space to like crawl away to in, on the drives or something, mm-hmm. maybe you can get away with that. But if you're in close quarters at all. Yeah. Like the Ramones doing all, like I heard they did tours where they wouldn't talk to each other. Like, how the fuck? Did you how? Do that? Like, why would you? No wonder why you would you even do it? Saying. Yeah. I mean, but then again, at that time, the Ramones were making a lot of money. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, of course. I mean, there's always like that. And the Ramones were kind of mooky dudes. So it'd just be weird. Mookie I don't know how. Dudes. They're kind of mooky dudes. Just like, I don't give a fuck. I'll get on the fucking tour bus. I'll play the fucking kid. Fuck you. Nah, fuck you, you yeah. fucking idiot. Like, they're kind of mooky dudes, dude. <laughs> New Yorkers, huh? Yeah, man. How about them? Nobody can beat the Ramones. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody can beat the Ramones. Fuck you. 1977. Yo. New York Dolls. Dude, fuck Fuck you. (laughs) Now he said, dude, fucking. Dude, fucking. Check this out. (laughs) Dude, fucking. Dude, dude, check this out. Fucking a dude. (laughs) Have you seen? uh, uh, Have you seen that CBGB movie? Like, it's not a super great movie. Like, I enjoyed it. Like, Alan Rickman as uh, Hilly Crystal, the guy who founded CBGB. And they've got all these actors playing the, like, the big bands that play there. Like, it's a fun fun nostalgia jerk-off movie. It's great. But the guys who play the Ramones are so fucking good, dude. (laughs) They're just these fucking goony, like, like... Like lunk-headed, fucking like testosterone-filled, just great. just maniacs, dude. It's great. <laughs> it, the the Dead Boys too. The band that they had play the Dead Boys was pretty cool. That's cool. Um, well, right on, I man. I think that that was a good show. That was a good show. This was one of my favorite ones we've done in a while, Richie. Yeah. I I always love sitting down and talking with you, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'll always yeah. do it. Whatever. Whatever. And let's, uh, dude, let's jam something together even if we just get together up at your place and have a fucking barbecue and our kids can hang out would you yeah. be available may 21st on a tuesday night probably i have to look at my calendar Ooh, we're gonna do it we're gonna do a uh, farewell jam for tony and laura at three kings well let me find it's the three kings right yeah yeah so we're gonna do a farewell jam over there it's gonna be fun man well, cool possibility yeah well, we'd love to have you hey uh so we do a thing on every episode of the mm-hmm. podcast mm-hmm. where we end well, this the show one's, this one's gonna be unfair yeah, right. Well, we we end the show with either something from your catalog or something from a friend's band or a band that you're otherwise connected to that 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 is somehow relevant to you. Um, we do a one for the homies shout out at the end of the episode and we close out the episode with a song by the band that you choose. So it can be one of your projects. It can be uh, it can be a, a band of friends that you love or uh, or whatever. So you get to pick whatever we close out with. Kind of on the spot, aren't you? I know. <laughs> kind of on the I, spot. I think I should do the Axe Slasher Mr. Scissors song. Axe Slasher Mr. Scissors? Yeah, it's Mr. Scissors. That's probably... So uh, give us give us a little intro for the song. What's yeah. this song about? Because it's um, all serial killer stuff, right? 
Yeah, this one's basically about <clears throat> um, our bass player. Our bass player is named Mr. Scissor. He kills everyone with... Uh, or it's called Night of the Shears, I'm sorry. Night of the Shears. Yeah, but it's about killing everybody with... Uh, Pruning shears? Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. pretty murderous. <laughs> so pretty murderous. Is, so uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to the podcast. Real quick, if you're looking for ways to support the podcast, it's super easy. You can rate, review, subscribe on uh, any of the podcast channels. We are on Stitcher now. Uh, so we're on Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Um, you can oh, tell iTunes. one friend about this show and go, hey, I know you've never heard of this band, but they, they do a really funny show. Or if you know somebody who's a fan of the band and they want to hear us flap our gums every week, you know, let them know about the show. Of course, if you want to be a real ballsy out there, super badass supporter, you can back us on patreon.com slash mfruckus. Uh, check it out, man. Thank you so much for listening as always, guys. I'm Aaron. I'm Tony. I'm Richie Tice. Gordo here. Thanks for listening to the motherfucking podcast, guys. See ya.
You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. 